Dopey Podcast Dopey Podcast Well dopey now podcast. is the time for the Dopey Podcast When you call in and dopey put podcast. all your life on blast And you call dopey in podcast. and talk about your past Because your dopey life was furious, hardcore and fast So dopey now podcast. is the time for the Dopey Podcast It's the Dopey Podcast, the Dopey Podcast, yo This is the Dopey Podcast This is the Dopey Podcast Now if your life was furious, hardcore and fast You feel like you want to put your life on blast Just call up the show and I talk about your past Cause now is the time for the Dopey Podcast It's the Dopey Podcast, the Dopey Podcast, yo This is the Dopey Podcast. This is the Dopey Podcast. This episode of Dopey is brought to you by our very good friends at Oro Recovery. Oro is located in sunny Southern California by Malibu and somewhere in Western Los Angeles. They were created by Bob Forrest and his friends, Evan, Jared, and Bob, with the mission of treating alcoholics and addicts by using compassion and connection rather than control. They make sure that your detox is as comfortable as possible. These are all incredible things. Their staff has decades and decades and decades of experience in treating co-occurring mental health disorders like severe mental illness. They have amazing amenities. Fucking sound bath meditation, equine therapy, surfing, and of course, the potentially spiritually transformative sweat lodge. Everyone that I know that has been to Oro only said great things. So if you're fucked and you're willing to go to sunny Southern California to get better, I cannot suggest going to Oro enough. Check them out at ororecovery.com right now. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our friends at Sober Buddy. What is Sober Buddy? Sober Buddy is an app that helps you stay sober. What else is Sober Buddy? It's so much more than just an app. It's a community. It's a platform. It's a, it's a virtual place you can go and be surrounded by alcoholics and addicts. They have Zooms. And when I say they have Zooms, I mean we have Zooms. Every Wednesday, I run a Zoom for Sober Buddy. And I'm totally mind blown by how effective and cool these Zooms are. I never would have thought they would be effective. And we have a little cool group. So if you're free on Wednesdays, you should come check it out. Also, Sober Buddy is a, it's like a social media feed for, for addicts and alcoholics to get support, talk to each other. There's all sorts of community functionality, and there's also cool challenges on the app to help you get and stay sober. There's also a free 30-day trial if you're curious but unsure. Check them out at YourSoberBuddy.com or get them at the App Store or the Google Play Store. We would love to have you in the Sober Buddy community, so check it out. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our very good friends at Soberlink. We need to talk about alcohol recovery in the workplace. Talking about sobriety and proving it to your employer can be so difficult, and our friends at Soberlink want to help. If you need a reliable way to present documented proof of sobriety to a boss or a loved one, Soberlink can help. Soberlink is a high-tech portable breathalyzer system that uses facial recognition technology to verify identity. 
It has unique sensors to ensure that no other air sources are being used. It sends the results directly to your specified contacts. So there's no questioning whether or not you took the test and whether or not you altered the reporting. This is why Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system is considered the gold standard. You guys knew that. Being in recovery from alcohol does not define the future of your career. This is very important to, to realize. Let Soberlink help you. Learn more about Soberlink and request an exclusive $50 off promo code by visiting www.soberlink.com dopey. Welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and other dumb shit. My name is Dave. I'm in the Dopey studio, in my, my the Dopey home studio. And there's actually a little fish tank in the Dopey home studio, and you might be hearing it bubbling in the background. Maybe not. doesn't matter. Nora, my older daughter, had these goldfish, and then she wanted to redo her room, and they decided they needed to put the fish tank in the Dopey studio. And they weren't even aware of the past. And I, I hate it. I mean, I don't know. I should, I should feel nostalgic for it, but I really hate it. I don't do a good job of caring for these goldfish, and yet they live. And the water sound gets louder as I forget to add water to the fish tank. So, new fish tank. Actually, I think it's been in here for months, but I never mentioned it. There's lots to get to. Lots of stuff is happening. Uh, first thing, I, I basically had a nervous breakdown this week. My younger daughter had to have surgery and have her adenoids removed, and I lost my mind. She is recovering well. Thank you for everybody who wished us well. I appreciate it. It's just so scary. The other thing that's nuts is she wakes up from the anesthesia, and she's like, my throat hurts, and the doctor's like, get her some fentanyl. And what is, you know, it's like nuts. First, you're worried that uh, your kid is going to, you know, there's going to be a problem with anesthesia. Because it, it's so supposedly so dangerous to go under. It's just you you lose consciousness. And then she wakes up. She's like, my throat hurts. And they're like, quick, get her some fentanyl. You think they're going to give her Motrin or ibuprofen or something. It's just crazy. It, it's amazing how the word fentanyl is triggering at this point. And also what an incredibly helpful medication fentanyl can be when it's used responsibly by doctors and not by us. But little kids in the hospital is fucking scary. It's, it's powerlessness. And it's easy to find yourself feeling unmanageable. And it's hard for me sometimes to use the tools. It's, I, I forget to use the tools so often. It's easy to use the tools at a meeting. And sometimes it's easy to use the tools in conjunction with my sobriety. Because I don't think about using. But sometimes it's hard to use the tools and to maintain my sanity around things that have nothing to do with addiction and the tools could work plugging the tools in practicing acceptance fucking asking for help going to a meeting when i feel squirmy even if it's not about using if i just feel squirmy praying you know praying is all fine and good when it's in the morning at night but it's not as easy for me like in the middle of the day when i'm afraid and that's just real talk that's me keeping it at a hundred as they say in the streets, as we know. Now, before we get into the show, I want to say this. The Last of Us is over. 
so good. First season of The Last of Us, amazing. Just amazing. Two episodes ago, just one of the greatest episodes I've ever seen. Three episodes as well. The last episode, meh, I don't know. I didn't think the last episode was as as hardcore and, and rocking as the really good episodes, but what a season. If you have nothing to do and you're looking for something to do, go watch that. They should sponsor the show. I would do such good ads for The Last of Us. In other news, the great Kat Marnell is sober, and she went on Leah McSweeney's new podcast to talk about her recovery and her addiction and stuff. Check out Leah McSweeney's show. Kat does not mention Dopey. Maybe Kat Marnell will return to the show. I don't know if you guys are interested in that. I definitely am. Check out Leah McSweeney's podcast. I went on a shit ton of podcasts this week besides the good old Dopey show. First of all, I went on Ashes to Awesome, which is the show formerly known as uh, Dopey Canuck. In case you haven't been following the Dopey Canuck drama on Patreon, apparently there's a show called Dopey Canuck created by a Canadian called Chuck LaFlange. It's, I, I could not make this up if I tried. And Chuck is a recovering addict, and he loved Dopey, so he decided to start a podcast called Dopey Canuck Like Dopey in Canada, and uh, I found out about it at a Dopey Patreon slash Sober Buddy Zoom, and I lost my mind, as you can imagine, and I, and I confronted Chuck, and he's changed the name to Ashes to Awesome, and I went on it this week. And uh, you can hear more about it. Ray Brown is on Patreon this week, and you can hear me and Ray talking about uh, that development. Yeah, if you love Dopey and you're wondering how you can get all this entertainment for free and you feel a little guilty or you just want to support the show, go to Dopey Patreon. It's at www.patreon.com slash Podcast. You wouldn't believe how much shit is on Patreon. I started doing a lot of videos again. I'm doing these just for today meditations with dopey emails and special guests and all sorts of shit. So go support the show on Patreon. Thank you. And also check out Ashes to Awesome. I also, I invited myself on this podcast called Pod Yourself The Wire. It's a show all about The Wire and uh, we were talking about season two, episode nine. It was it was quite a thrill, quite a thrill. So if you like The Wire and you want to hear me in- incredibly excited about being uh, on a podcast about The Wire, check out Pod Yourself The Wire this week. Fucking dream come true. I was also, there's a lot of plugs, I was on Dead Tour Tales with SRO Prince's own Brandon Swinehart and his partner James and, uh, you know, I basically bashed Bob Weir for a while. I also told a story about back in the day, like uh, tripping on acid with President Herbert Hoover's grandson, who also fed acid to his dog. So that's on uh, Dead Tour Tales. Lots of plugs. That's a lot of shows to listen to. If you're dying to hear me in other places, check out those shows. They're actually all pretty good. Uh, I want to congratulate Melissa Winkler... On three years. Woo. I want to congratulate uh, Siggy, also known as Sigrun. She's Icelandic. She writes, hey, Dave, I turned five years old on Wednesday the 8th. First, uh, first time for me getting this much time. Just thought I'd mention it in case you were calling out birthdays. All right, Siggy. I love that. 
Uh, look for a Siggy voicemail on Patreon very, very soon. And in other news, the Dopey Zoom has turned three years old, which is incredible. Dopey Zoom, just a fucking resource for addicts and alcoholics all over the world. Check out Dopey Zoom. The address on Zoom is 804-300-586. This is always the address. The password is always Toodles. If you didn't write that down, I guess you could rewind it. It's always posted. It's pinned on Instagram. So if you need it, go to Dopey Podcast Instagram. It's right there. Next weekend, they're doing a marathon for the whole weekend next weekend. So go to the Dopey Zoom Marathon. Yay. All right. People, uh, do you guys like the applause? Some people say they don't like the applause. Some people think the applause is too professional. Is that true? Um, let me know. Write an email, dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Let me know if you like or dislike the applause. Do you want more sound effects or less sound effects? Also, if you would like your clean time celebrated on Dopey, send in an email to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Also, what we really need around Dopey, you know what we need, emails and voicemails. Send in an email or a voicemail, get it read on the show, and you can win yourself a pair of Dopey socks. Also, there's so much stuff happening. I'm going to read this note, and this is straight off of Dopey Nation Facebook. If you're a member of the Dopey Nation and you're not in Dopey Nation Facebook, maybe you should reevaluate it. It's a beautiful community. And I saw this note, and I or this post, and I wanted to read it. It says, hello, dopes. I hope everyone is doing well. And this is from Noel, hardcore dope. As many of you know, I have been struggling with kratom addiction for years at this point. I have made numerous attempts to get clean, and I always end up relapsing. I am currently on day four of no kratom. In order to deal with the withdrawals, I am taking a very small amount of Suboxone. I am currently on two milligrams of Suboxone once a day. I am going to taper down over the next few weeks. In the past, I have done this Kratom Detox Cold Turkey, but this time around, I just don't have the ability to take time off and or call out of work, so I'm using medication to help me with the process. I am deathly scared of the Suboxone, and I'm still nervous about if I made the proper choice, but I do know that I haven't taken Kratom in the past four days, so I guess it's a step in the right direction. I've also been attending dopey meetings daily, and I'm going to try to... I'm going to try to attend some 12-step meetings this week virtually. I would love to attend some in person, but I work a very strenuous job, 10 hours a day, and I just feel like I would fall asleep if I went to an in-person meeting. Maybe I'll try to attend some on my days off. Special shout-out to the peeps in this group that have been helping me along my journey this time. The fact that I can call on you any time of the day or night and you always have helpful feedback from me is amazing. I truly don't think I could have done this without you guys. I love you all. SSDN and FTFC, which is, of course, Stay Strong Dopey Nation and fucking toodles for Chris. If you're struggling with Kratom, we're going to do a Kratom show sooner or later. So send in your Kratom experience. I've never done Kratom. It seems like a real slippery slope as people are, you know, they can't stop taking it. It seems very, very addictive. I seem to hear the same story around Kratom over and over and over again. But... Let's not talk about Kratom. Today we have a very homespun episode of Dopey. But before we get into the episode, I just want to remind you guys about the Recovery in the Middle Ages podcast. 
Nat hosts it and produces it, and Nat is just such a blessing to me and Dopey that I have to tell you about his wonderful podcast. It is Nat and Mike, two middle-aged dads, as they discuss current topics of interest to the recovery community, including 12-step, the newest medical research. They talk about books. They talk about their pursuit of life, love, and recovery, and their daily struggle to maintain anonymity and recovery in the world of soccer moms, PTA meetings, and the rest of the craziness that the suburbs has to offer. If the neighbors only knew that they were crackheads and junkies and drunks, Find Recovery in the Middle Ages on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts and all over social media. Also, I don't know, I saw somebody, I saw Aviza in the Dopey Nation was checking out the Phoenix app. The Phoenix app is something you guys should check out. First of all, it's free. Secondly, it's fun. If Phoenix was spelled with an F, it would be free, fun, Phoenix. But Phoenix is spelled with a PH, but it's still free and fun. The Phoenix is an organization for addicts and alcoholics in recovery to use in order to get in shape, have fun, and connect. It looks like the April 24th, we're doing an event with the Phoenix in New Orleans. So if you're in New Orleans, you should totally come to the event. It's going to be amazing. We're going to do a live dopey hangout. I think they're going to cook crawfish. I think I'm going to go do a fucking CrossFit thing in Brooklyn with the Phoenix. So if you're in Brooklyn, I'll post when I'm going to do CrossFit, which will be highly entertaining for anyone who's there. We're also going to do a podcast with them on their podcast. We're going to do a Zoom with their community and Dopey Nation. So if you're looking for fun gym music that's free, check out thephoenix.org and join the movement. It's amazing. What an amazing resource it is, the Phoenix. Now we're going to get into this homespun episode, all Long Island drug addicts and drug dealers in recovery. First, we have Paul, who's gone to uh, a bunch of dopey Zooms. He's amazing, one of my new friends. And then we get the update from a now sober Fentanyl J. Here we go. But first up is Paul. All right. So we're in the dining room, me and my friend Paul. And Paul, I met at my meeting, and I've, I've wanted Paul to come on the show for a long time. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And we met on the beach years ago, right? Two yes, years uh, ago on the yeah, beach. Two, two, April, April uh, actually April 16th was when I first came to the beach. Two, my two-year anniversary will be in April. How did you find that spot? I, I actually don't. I heard about it a lot at my other meetings that people, oh, we go to Cory Beach. It's beautiful out there. There's like 100, 200 people. But uh, I just stayed going to like speaker meetings and meetings that I was, it was during the pandemic. So everything was outside. So. Oh, yeah. I met you before the beach. I met you at that other meeting. Middle Road. Where I, I'm like, I'm the speaker. And I like shared about heroin the whole time. And, uh, I think I spoke for like 30 minutes and I spoke about heroin for like 27 minutes. And then I was like, then I got sober and now my life is good. And smiling Joe came up to me after that meeting. He's like, you really need to talk a lot less about heroin at Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. And then you came up to me and you were like, that was great. Yeah. It's like uh, the best of both worlds. You know, like the funny thing is how smiley Joe will tell you, you got to stop talking about that. Because when I saw smiling Joe, I was like, oh, this guy's, you know, he's definitely just an alcoholic. And the reason why I came up to you at that time was because B 
being in AA, you know, I, I have, I have alcohol in my house. I have, you know, it's not an issue for me. So I was always talking about drugs and then, you know, I never really heard it. And then when, you know, your story was about heroin, but it was also funny how you, I always remember how you said you were like the, what'd you have? Three cats. You were the, you were the fourth cat in the house. I was the third sitting on the couch, smoking cigarettes, doing nothing. Yes. Yes. Buying ice cream sandwiches. I would, I would go through the, I would go through the couch to find 50 cents and walk down the hill to buy an ice cream sandwich and then come back, eat the ice cream sandwich and find another. I'd buy like six ice cream sandwiches in a day. That was my life for a long time. But we're not, I've told these stories a million times and we've never heard any of your stories, Paul. When did you start doing drugs in the first place? Uh, I mean, like I started probably 14, 15 years old. You know, I had a surprise birthday party. My friends from, you know, sports and stuff like that came over. It wasn't a surprise, it was a sleepover. And somebody, it wasn't my idea, but a lot of drinking goes on in my family, but my mother and father, they don't drink. But we always held the, the, the parties, the holiday parties, everything. So any leftover liquor would go downstairs. So you have the classic, the classic AA story, which is like when you were a kid, there was booze in the party and you'd finish their drinks and shit. No, we wouldn't do that. I would get slapped, you know, I, you know I, I wouldn't dare do that. What happened was we, we had a ping pong table in my basement. So we down there messing around and everyone, someone, somebody came like, yo, let's take a, let's take a sip of the alcohol. So we're like, all right. You know, we took probably each took a shot or two and got buzzed and had a blast. Everybody had fun. It was a good time. And then me and my best friend continued for that summer to go down in the unfinished basin we had with one of those TVs that had the rotary dials that went up to channel 13. Yeah. And uh, we would mix gin, tequila, Seagram, any kind of liquor that was down there with Pepsi. It was disgusting. But that, that got me where I was big with chugging stuff because I came up with, I'm like, listen, we keep sipping this. It's disgusting every sip. If we take one big gulp, you know, and you know, typical addict shit, right? Get yeah, it over with real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right then, there. And then you feel it. Right there, yeah. So, you know, and then came from a great family, you know, and all that stuff. But I mean, you know, I'm sleeping on the cement floor. My buddy's half on the couch. There's plastic cups on the floor, 15 soda cans. We probably smelt like liquor. The way we planned it, which worked out pretty good, was we're like, listen, we'll keep doing this. We fill them with water. Sometimes we fill them up with too much water. We just sneak out the basement. The bottles, throw, you mean? So, the, they, would, yeah, the so bottles. they wouldn't know. Yes, yeah, so they wouldn't know because they don't drink them. You know? Um, How did they, did they ever find out? Uh, and it was probably I, like a joke. See, I feel like when you're a kid and you do some shit like that or you turn up drunk at something, it's like funny. It's like, oh, ha, ha. They don't know that you're going to wind up like a total fucking drug addict. Well... Yeah, definitely don't know that. But um, to finish off that that thing, me and my buddy were like, listen, you know, and he was younger than me. So he was a grade younger than me. He's my best friend. We were like, listen, by the time they find out, we'll probably be 21 anyway. So it's like statue, of, you know, they're going to yell at us. But, you know, when it's late. So we did that probably around around that age. I wake up in the morning hungover, you know, still just drinking and smoking weed, maybe, you know, ecstasy, whatever. It was fun. And my dad's putting a new floor in the kitchen. So when I wake up, I'm, I wake up, I remember like, you know, rubbing my eyes. I'm walking downstairs to get a drink and I see all the liquor bottles on the kitchen floor. And I'm like, oh fuck, like the day has come. But he was just- How old were you? I was probably in my, I was probably 20, 21, 20, you know, so, but he was just holding down the floor. He was putting down with the liquor bottles. I had no idea still. So, you know. It did they, all, it did that ever out. come back on you? I don't believe The great so. liquor heist of your teens? I don't know. I don't remember, so obviously it wasn't that big of a deal. You know? No, I'm but sure there were other things that, that got in yeah, the way of them yeah. getting upset about that. So the story of drinking and being a mess, right? I always think about this. You know, they have the my, uh, on MTV, my 
Sweet 16, Super Sweet 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I grew up in, in out east in Manorville, and there was this family. I was best friends with the girl, and uh, she got her Sweet 16 was at Ohika Castle. I don't know what that is, but I'm assuming it's like it's a sweet. huge, yeah, yeah, it's like a wedding venue. Okay. You know, it's like $30,000 to rent it out. So the family set up limos. So we all went to the, we all went to the house in Manorville and they had limos waiting for us and brought us to Nassau County or, you know, Huntington. Now at this point I started smoking a lot of weed. I loved weed, loved weed. So those old M&M cartridges, the little ones, the little tube, I roll, I pre-rolled like 10 joints, put them in there. And the older kids found out, I was 16 at this time, the, the older kids found out that I had joints in me. So right when we get in the limo, my buddy takes, and then there was liquor in the, in the limo too. So my buddy fills up a whole cocktail plastic cup of like scotch. And, and I'm like, bro, he was about to get rid of it. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you're not going to drink that? And he goes, you can't drink that. And I was the guy that like, you're you can't chug, do it. You're the chug, chug I can guy. do right. it. I'll show it. you. Right, 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 right. Plus I chugged it. So I chugged it in one full scotch, one cup down the hatch and then the older kids found that i had we i had joints on me so like yo break them out and i'm like we can't you know can't smoke in the land they're like fuck it so i'm like okay the older kid you know so the mixture of the liquor and the weed and you're getting accepted by the older kids yeah i mean i was accepted i was already kind of whatever but you know it, it definitely made it better you know how but, old are you the first time you smoked weed probably 15 16 and it was every day it became i was working being a bottle boy at my uncle's deli and my whole paycheck, I would buy an ounce of weed in grams. I would spend $500 on 20 grams of weed, you know, or close to whatever it right. is. Right, 20, 28. I, I know it's 20. I know the number. I know. So I, what are you I'm saying just, 20? If you know it's 28, I, what are you saying 20 I probably buy an exact ounce. I, I spent a lot of money a when gram. I could have. You know, How much was a gram when you were 15? Whatever it cost, I paid. I have no idea. You know, we used to have, I used to have, I had a friend that we started <laughs> doing this with and we had a, he had an older brother that worked at a gas station. So we would ride our bikes to the gas station. He would secretly get us like three boxes of blunts and we would just take two hours. And we thought the cancer leaf was the leaf you're supposed to roll up with. And we took, we left the cancer leaf on because it was like a mouthpiece. Wait, why is it a cancer leaf? Supposedly it gives you cancer or some shit like that. So it became the cancer leaf. Well, no, we took off the, the leaf that you're supposed to roll the blunt roll with. The blunt with and we thought the- that was the cancer leaf and we kept the it's like a little mouthpiece on the end of it. We right. kept that on. So it was just, you know, I was the older one in my I'm the oldest in my family. I have a younger brother. So I was just doing, you know, come home at 11. Oh, let me see what happens when I come home at 12. You know, the, all sorts of shit like that. But the point was when I got, it was a, about a 40 minute drive in that limo. Now she's pulling up when I get to the sweet 16. I start, I get out the limo. Now the liquor hits me. I'm high as shit. Everything's spinning. I'm looking like, like a ghost, you know? Now everyone's like, yo, you all right, bro? And I'm like, I don't know. Like everything's just happening at once right now. <laughs> the limo, ro- uh, the, the, she rolls up on a horse and carriage. The sweet and 16 I'm, girl. The sweet 16 girl. And I'm, I was always good with like, th- I would just throw up right away, get it over with and keep it moving. But I mean, everybody's out looking at her. We roll up in the limos. Everyone's dressed up and I'm, there's no bushes I can go. I just throw up everywhere. And that whole party, I was fucked up. And I mean, every they were they had somebody watching me because they weren't letting me in the party at first, but then a girl was worse than me. So I got to slide through the security and they basically were just like helping me in the bathroom throw up. I threw up in the cocktail area right in the middle of the floor in front of everybody yeah. all over the place. Uh-huh. So like I'm thank I'm I'm very thankful and grateful there was no video cameras when I was no doing phones. a lot of my dirt. Yeah, phones. Yeah. Right, 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 right. That you would know? that would be an awesome video though. 
I mean that that would yeah, be a for, great yeah, that would I mean, be a great video would for the show. Probably the rest of my life, you know, I don't for think a while. So. Maybe, maybe it was pretty bad. It's pretty bad. How soon after that are you selling Bud? Because you said oh. you're, you said you're buying it like an ounce at a gram at a time. You're spending all of your money, and I know like a bunch of your story is selling, and I know that you hate the idea of getting taken. So like, well, when do you when do you start switching up and selling? So like, I, I didn't start selling weed until like maybe my uh, mid twenties. Really. Yeah. That's interesting. I would have expected you to do it early because you were a crazy wrestler, right? Yeah, I was pretty good. Do you think that's what kept you from being like a drug dealer in school? Well, that was the thing. I was like, I was, you know, moved up in to varsity wrestling at, you know, ninth grade. I was the captain. Baseball, I was a starting pitcher. I was the captain of that too. I went to a small school. We had an open campus. So like I would go during lunch and smoke weed, you know, but I would like hang out with the all different types of group. I hung out with everybody, you know, I, I hung out with everybody and like, you know, they probably knew, but I was good at like, you know, we'd be hanging out with them at lunch. And when we walk in, it's like, yo, you walk in a little bit before me. Cause if I'm walking in with you, they know I'm getting fucked, you know? So do you think the athletics kept you from being full on scumbag drug dealer as a kid? Well, that was like, I hung out with similar kids like me. So I got onto a travel team, which introduced me to a town that I, I ended up in when that's what I was like, you know, selling drugs, doing heroin, you know, that's where I, I didn't start doing heroin until probably, you know, I was doing blues and Roxy's, but I had a buddy that sold a lot of blues and he smoked weed. So he would come in and he'd buy some weed, we'd barter, you know, he'd give me a couple blues and it wasn't really a problem, but then it became a problem. And then I graduated to like everybody else, you know, I graduated to I got a different blue guy. I started selling Molly. But hold up, hold up, hold up. Yeah. We're in high school. You're you're athlete. You're yeah, not it's all fun back then. You're not selling drugs. You're chugging scotch, vomiting at Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, stuff smoking like that. weed every day, all day long. When do you detect that it be, it's starting to like escalate? Pre-selling Molly and blues and all that. Shit. I started. You know, my one of my best friends started getting into the coke game. He was a real big coke dealer, and uh, I started. Started doing it at parties, then doing it whatever, and then doing it during the weekend, then doing it during the week by my, you know, and then... During high school? Uh, like, I tried it. I did it a little bit, but, you know, this is, like, getting into, like, my mid like So, high 20. school, you, you survived? Yeah, high school was great. You, I, I would you take got out of there. See, you, everything was fun. Everything was lovely. It was good. And, and so, like, how, when's the first time you did ecstasy? I was actually, like, 16. It was around when I started smoking weed, uh ex-girlfriend of mine's brother was older and he went to west palm beach college and he came back and he had these zorro i'll never forget zorro double stacks he's oh yeah you know and like you know it's again you know you're like younger and whatever and and he was older and he says yeah you know 20 bucks and it's the best there was another kid there like yo it's the best feeling ever so like now i'm experiment you know weed the gateway drug i i you know for me no acid up. between weed and, and ecstasy just straight to ecstasy no 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 i That's never interesting did you ever do acid yeah, remember I told you the story. I did it a couple times, then I, I did love it that at outpatient. I love that story. When do you start selling? Like, what's your life like that you decide to start selling? And like, as an alcoholic or a drug addict who's in recovery, who had to fucking start over. Like, I know that when I look back, I, I knew I had a serious problem. I started smoking weed much later than you did. Like, I started smoking weed senior year of high school, right? Yeah, that's and, crazy. And then like freshman year of college. I was smoking every day and I was like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have a day without getting high. 
And and I kind of treated it like it was heroin or something. Yeah. Like if I didn't have weed, I was like going out to well, find it. Well, my the funny thing about that was we wouldn't do anything without smoking weed. You know, sure. every time we had to do something in high school, you know, going going the, out to Port Jet, whatever it was, and we were always driving around smoking weed. Like that was our you drive around. It's the Long Island thing. You drive around in cars, you pack it out with five people, and you just bait, you know you're smoking. But it's funny because you used to be like, not, oh, yeah, well, we'll go do that or we'll go do this, but we got to smoke first, you know? And that's sometimes if we don't have the bud, you got to go get it. That's a, an adventure in itself. And then by the time you smoke the weed, everyone's in the car like, yo, fuck it. We don't even want to go do anything. Like, let's just, you know, and we never, right. all we did was smoke weed. That was it. But if we did anything, we would have to smoke weed before we did it. You know what I mean? Like, it was just every day, all day. But I remember, like, I treated it. Like, you're not going to get sick if you don't smoke bud. But I, I was so fucking addicted or, or you know, needed it compulsively that if I didn't have it, I would, like, go door to door to fucking find it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I would, and I knew that it was a thing, but it didn't become, like, like, my, it wasn't an addiction until I was fucking sick, you know, without heroin. And I, but I, in, when I was in my early 20s, I'd sold drugs, too. And, like, it was a lifestyle, but it was also, it was everything to me. Drugs was everything to me. I liked other things, but like drugs was like my religion or whatever. Like I sold acid and I, if somebody had pills, I would do pills and I was never good at any of it, but I always had it around. When do you think well, you started? Uh, well, so I tried to sell weed when I was younger, right? But the problem was, like I said, we're driving around smoking weed with five, my, your five best friends, your core group of people, you know. So when I, every time I got my hands on an ounce, from it was from an older kid that was like an older brother of the friends. I always had the entrepreneur mindset. You know, I worked when I was young. My parents, I always remember thinking, you know, I just, I just thought of this yesterday. I was talking to someone like, I always, my parents owned delis. And I, was, I, I always was like, man, I wish my parents still owned a deli so that I can work in it and then own the deli. Because I was always like, to have a business, you have to have all this money right. and all this stuff. So I, I, right. I always had that. So... I honestly think the whole reason why I like selling drugs was because it's a, it's a business, you know? It's, it's entrepreneurship, you know? Well, I think if I know you pretty well, and I think part of it is you love talking to people. So it's like if yeah. you have a business, you're plugged in to a world of people, and that gets you high. Yeah, I'm popping in, seeing five guys I'm selling weed to, and they're telling me what they're doing tonight, this and that. Then I'm going to another town with other guys that might know them or not, and they're, yo, what's up? You just, yeah, you play. I, you're I very, like that too. You're, you're very thinking. social. Yeah. You know, I guess you're, ver you're, no, no, you're very course. social and you love, you love talking to people. You love meeting people. You love interacting. So the fact that the drug business gave you that, that was like a side effect that was probably more nourishing for your soul than you even realized then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so like you didn't, you didn't succeed as a weed dealer then. What made you return to it in your, in your twenties? So the first time I really started selling something was I started working at this company, a family-owned big company, and uh, people were like, I never worked at a big company where like, you know, I worked, like, I had family-owned delis, but this was like a, a pretty, had 50 employees and stuff, so everybody was looking at, oh, there's, there's the nephew, you know, and like people were like quiet around me, they didn't talk, it was like a two-person operation in a truck. It's just funny because it turns out that I was the you were the worst. I was one of the I was yeah. the one of the became yeah. one of the top guys in there. Everybody sold drugs. It was guys from Queens, all over Long Island. We were all the same age, like 21, 22, 23 years old. We had no responsibility, no bills. Everybody make, making good money. We had 
bought new cars, had, you know, it was, it was fun. But there was a guy that I met who I just, you know, I, I was talking to him for, I've known him for probably almost 20 something years. Older guy than me, but just grew up what Woodhaven or Woodside, Queens, you know, and whatever. And he's, I don't know how it came about, but he was like, yeah, you know, I, uh, I can get thousand packs of ecstasy, you know, for like $3.25. And I'm like, they were going for 20. Right. So I advised this whole plan, you know, I'm like, well, this other kid I knew, he had a whole bunch of clientele that they were younger kids. They were taking like 50, 60 pills a weekend, maybe more. I knew people. So I got somebody, I borrowed money from somebody, my neighbor, who I smoked weed with. I've, I had this whole plan put together. He was probably getting the ecstasy for like 75 cents a pop and made a killing off me. But we'd all like, he would, we'd come in, there'd be three weed dealers in there. This guy used to stand by the bay and be like, yo, you know, before you step into their business, step into my business, you know, had everything, you know, he had to connect with everything. And there was like three weed dealers at this time. Vicodins were like the thing kind of, you know, whatever. But ecstasy was cool too. You know, we were going to clubs, bars, taking ecstasy. Ecstasy had the highest profit margin. Well, not only that, I was, I was, like you said, uh, I, I would like, so I got the thousand pack of ecstasy, right? And I was selling it. But again, I fucked the pack up too because I would go out with my friends and they were like, oh, they're only $3.25 in the beginning. You're like, I got so much of this shit. Like giving here, it away. I'm giving them for $5 a piece right. to my friends. Right. I'm giving them three for, right. for five bucks, you know? Right. Right. And then like you're a month later, I'm like, yo, where's all the ex, you know? Right. You know, and, and, and then something else happened, you know, with the guy I was going in with. What happened? He was like, we had this whole plan of uh, uh, done because so I was like, I, I can't stash the thousand pills just in case I get caught, right? I don't want to stash in my house. So the guy I borrowed money from my friend lived two houses away from me. So I said, he was trustworthy. He's my good friend. You hold on to him at the house. This way, I don't even have to call you on the phone. I can just walk to your house and be like, yo, I need a hundred. Right. And just get it in, get it out. I brought the other kid that was, that had the clientele. I introduced him. We hung out. We took ecstasy one night. We smoked weed at my buddy's house. And uh, they ended up exchanging numbers and he pulled a quick one of, you know, I was like, yo, listen, this is how we're going to do it. You're going to get 50 or 100, whatever you need. When you want it, you can go back to him, but you, he's got to come with the money. Don't give him nothing extra if he doesn't. And, and we're all over the island. So I found out the kid got the number. He called him and was like, yo, listen, I, I don't, the money's at my house. I didn't know, but there's going to be like 150 I need. So, so he, and he did that. He, he didn't have the money. Yeah, and we, you know, we were in. We, he fronted it, but I got the loan from my buddy who had the stuff, so I was held responsible. He gave you the thousand on loan. Well, it was three. It was three thousand two hundred and fifty dollars, and I right. told him I'll give him like five hundred bucks, right? For, you know, because I was gonna make. I was gonna be like you know Pablo Escobar, yeah, yeah, making yeah, twenty thousand yeah, 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 dollars, yeah, yeah, yeah. selling every yeah, pill for twenty dollars. I love it. Meanwhile, I'm taking six in a, at a time, you yeah, know, and yeah. giving them to people for free. Didn't work out. Did you love ecstasy back then? Listen, for everybody listening right now, if I, I don't, this is tough for me because I'm very big into the solution. I don't really talk about my war stories. So like, I'm kind of like you remembering things as I talk, but like, I always said this, if there was like, cause when I was involved in drugs, I'd be like, you know, promoting shit and yes. stuff, you know, and I'd be like, listen, if you ever do any type of drug, do ecstasy. just listen to me right now, uh -huh. do fucking ecstasy. You it just is said the best drug you'll ever do in your life. Yeah, I mean, and it is ecstasy is is I mean, like I love that the guy gives you the thousand pills. Did he get the thirty two the thirty thousand two hundred fifty dollars? No, yeah, I paid him. That's you did. I had to borrow the money from my friend who's holding the pills. I had this whole operation going, but and it you, got fucked up. But did you lose money on the thousand pills? 
Yeah, I lost. Yeah, I lost the kid. The kid tripled. <laughs> he like tripled up. He right. didn't have the money to redo right, it. Then right, he stopped right, coming right, to work. Right, right, right. You know, his father was a part. Was was in. He, he was a partner in the business. He just stopped coming to work. Then gave me a whole story. His dad found his pants on the floor, and he found all the money and the ecstasy and took it. And I'm like, whatever. If you so were to first, estimate how many ecstasy pills you've done in your life, how many would you estimate? I mean, uh, I don't know. Probably lots. I haven't. I feel like if I was to regret something, it's that I didn't take enough ecstasy in my well, life. Well, how much ecstasy did you take? Not enough. Well, I mean, it's never enough, right? No, but I didn't ever have like. There was points where I was getting nervous because I'm like, it's like a, it's because I had so much of it. Like it would be a Wednesday night, I'd be by myself, and I just, yeah, let me take two hits of ecstasy. I fucking loved ecstasy. It was such a fucking amazing drug. But I remember my final, like I, I had become a heroin addict. And then two of my friends that I was always using heroin with left town. And I was like, this is, I'm going to get off heroin. And I got off heroin. And I, and I just smoked weed for like six months or something. I was, I was like 25 or something, 24. And like my friends were going to a rave, okay? And they didn't invite me, which really hurt my feelings. But they showed up at my <laughs> apartment right before the rave like because they had nowhere to go in manhattan so they show up in my apartment at 11 o'clock at night and i go to bed early and i'm like i'm like what are you guys coming here for and not inviting me to go yeah what the fuck is that shit it wasn't cool you let them in didn't you i did what the fuck and then they invited me to go then oh, yeah thanks and and they had ecstasy and it was it was my friend and his girlfriend and this other girl and we ate the ecstasy and i hook up with the other girl and like I fall in love with her, you know what I mean? <laughs> like immediately I fall in love with her. And she had been a heroin addict, right? And she hadn't done heroin in like a year. And after we hook up the next day, we're like on heroin. And that was it. Oh, yeah. But like it was never enough. It was never enough ecstasy. Anyway, let's move Let's move on in your story. That was the first thing. That was the first thing I got my hands on. And then also I did it again. I got another thousand pack. And that didn't work out. Someone had a connection with this guy. You were in the city a lot. I think it was, uh, what's that? The, it's not the tunnel. What was the fucking? The limelight? No, no. It was like the crazy one. It wasn't Pasha. I don't it's know. It's similar to Pasha, whatever. I don't fucking they know. They had parades going through the fucking thing, and it was open until 12 o'clock I told you. I told you the story that I used to get hired to be an undercover fucking like narc at those clubs. Me and oh, this yeah, kid, did. I told you that story. Yeah. Me and this kid used to go. It's terrible there. of you. Well, we didn't do anything. I forgot about that. I shouldn't even be here right now. No, did I tell you the story? Yeah, you told me. Yeah, you told me about it. Me and this kid had to go to the limelight in the tunnel to look for drugs, but we never looked for drugs. He would just write fiction, and we would get high. <laughs> yeah. it, it was fucking weird. Anyway, so you're going to clubs at that point. Yeah, so we're doing that and doing so. So I got the second thousand pack, and then I, you know, it was again the older kids. You know, they had this guy, and again, it's a everything. Whenever it's too good to be true, it's always too good to be true. And I could not get that through my mind. You know, I knew like this is too good to be true, but I'm gonna do it. And these guys got, you know, the kids are from what, Howard that was, Beach. That was the second thousand pack that was too good to be true? Yeah, and I'm so, well, yeah. And the first one was all right. I just it got fucked up. The second one was a robber, a gun, guns. I wasn't there. But uh, still with the same kid from Steamer. I, so now I got 2000 from him, and he didn't even know anywhere they got 1000 And uh, we met up the night before, and these kids were playing games. They wanted to count them. And, like, we want to count a 1,000 pills. You know, we got to get it and go. This guy's like, they're not here to do business. Again, I'm stubborn. I'm like, whatever. doesn't work out. We meet, like, three nights later by the courts in Central Islip. My two friends, because one of them knew the connect. So he, they went with the ecstasy. 
and I'm waiting on the call. I was around, I was around the air. I was with somebody else. So I get the call saying, you know, and I'm like, all right, cool. This is great. I think we got him for uh, same thing, 325 a pop. And we, I was selling him for like 6,500. So it was like 650 a, a, a pill. And this kid was promising. He was supposedly. Because you were wholesaling him for 650? Yeah. Okay. The whole thing was the reason I was doing this was because the kid said, which is, if you're going to rob this, is, he set it up perfectly. Like my boy told me that he was a big time club promoter and that he can get rid of them within like a week, a week and a half. And would, if they were good, it's going to be every week. So now I'm like, okay, $3,000 a week. I'm like 22, three is. No, that'd be great. Yeah, it's great. I work full time. It's great. Yeah. You know, everything is so good. Well, that call, you know, turns out, yo, we just got robbed. And I'm like, come on, like this is bullshit. You guys are fucking with me. Get there. They're white as a ghost. What was they the robbery the keys, story? The, so basically they went you to You believe go, it? Yeah, it happened. They went to go meet up with him. These kids had a minivan. There was a kid in the front, and then it was two of my friends. The one, my friend that knew him got in the front seat, and then the other kid got, it was three-row minivan or two rows, you know? So the kid was in the back row, the other kid. My friend just hopped in and went in the other seat. So the kids, they're talking real quick for a minute, like, you got him, blah, blah, blah. And then my friend says he looks up, and the kid's got, like, a piece of shit revolver, but it's a gun, and it's on his stomach. And he's just like, yeah, you're getting robbed. Like, run your shit. Give me your keys, your wallet, your cell phones, whatever. And at the same time, the kid in the back's like, yo, I got a gun to the, to the back of your boy's head. Don't fucking do nothing stupid. Give us the pills, blah, blah, blah. And that's what happened, you know? And uh, that was just another, another. So I stopped selling XC at this point now. You were like, <laughs> this not, isn't going to work. not doing good. So then what happens? Uh, and wait, I find out from the older friend who, like, I look up to, right? He, I'm like, yo, what's up with your friend? Like, we got to go, you know, oh, I really don't know. My met him in rehab. I didn't even know my friend, the older kid went to rehab, you know? And I'm like, you fucking met him. I thought he was like a good friend of yours because he was big into the clubs, you know? That's before you found out that everyone knows everybody from rehab. That was before rehab plays a, plays a part in your life. Well, he literally just met him. Like, he was probably 18. He was probably uh, whatever. I, we were young still. So, like, rehab, people didn't go to rehab, you know what I mean? Like, I... Whatever. So, like, I was just like, that's that's fucked up that you didn't tell me that from the beginning, you know? So, what happened post the second ecstasy failure? So, after the... And you paid, you had to pay out of pocket for that? Uh, honestly, I mean, yeah, I don't, again, I don't, I think I borrowed money from the same kid trying to double up and being like, yo, we're going to make money, you know? Right. And then I had to pay him more money. And I think I owed that kid for, like, 10 years. You <laughs> paid, paid him, him back, back, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paid him back. But, uh... The, uh, yeah, that got me into some issues. But then, you know, fast forward, those are my trials and errors with it. You know, other than that, like, you know, that was my, my best friend was a Coke dealer. You know, I started doing Coke and whatever I had, I would do. You know, Did you do a lot of Coke too? Yeah, I did too much of that. Like I, it was fun for a little bit. And then I was just, I was a guy that people were like, we're never doing Coke with you again. Cause like it's in my pocket and I, it's never a good time to take it out. Like people are watching us. Like we got to drive a little bit further down the road. Wait a minute. You're all bugged out. All bugged out. Looking under, like, the blinds, the cops are coming, the, the fucking helicopters are out. You me. snorted it, shot it, or, or no, smoked no, no. it? No, I sh- just sniffed it. Okay. Yeah, and, yeah, you were, was, and you were bugging out. And uh, what would you do to come off of it? I would just do it until I ran out. And then you'd just be up for days and stuff? No, not days. Coke, you know, I'd just sit there and close my eyes, and the eyes would be rolling in the back of my head for, like, four hours trying to go to sleep. But it was never pills. No, but then that, so then, then, uh, like I said, so then I started uh, a buddy of mine from that company. Cause like I said, everybody was, did, everybody kind of did their own thing. So he, when the, when the pill epidemic was, you can go doctor shopping and stuff. My boy was getting like 700 pills a month. Was it a business thing or had he tried it and loved it? 
No, we were, we're at this point, if somebody was like, you know, what do you do? I would say, well, what do you got? And I, let me get two of each. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, you so know, it was like, people, it was, I would it was do a, whatever. It was more garbage head shit than drug dealer shit. At that point, but with the with the ecstasy, that was where I was trying to make my like, all right, I'm going to become like a ecstasy kingpin. You know what I mean? Like I can three dollars a piece, and I can sell them for twenty. Like you know, I got a good connection, whatever. Didn't work out. Go on, you know, whatever. And I started do, getting into the blues, you know, whatever. Blah blah. Had and you that, done them first before you decided to sell them? Blues? Yeah. No, no, I wasn't selling blues. I never sold blues. I just did them. I started doing them. But like I did them like touch and go, you know. I would do a couple a week. You and know, blues were them. oxy's. Yes. Because I never did them. I never. Yeah, I only know about blues because of Fentanyl J. Yeah. So they were rocks. Yeah. They were, and he's younger than us. So like they were probably really not even blues that much, you know. Like so, I got into that a little. Bit. I got into that where I was just doing them. I would get like a couple of them and mix it with weed and take a half, you know, whatever. Blah blah. And I started getting a little bit more into it. I got more into it because um, the guy that sold Coke, the guy that I was business partners with, he he worked construction with a guy that his brother was like a mafia type guy. He he owned farms in California, weed farms. Okay. So this is before California Bud was even a thing. Right. I'm like 25, maybe 24, 25. It's like almost 12 years ago. The brother of that guy would go in the summertime and he had pictures of him cutting. Fu- like it was a fucking farm. Right. Like, right, you know, right. Plantation like, and shit. I love, yeah. yeah and I'm yeah. like, holy shit, you know? So they started sending. So he started, my buddy got caught selling a gram of Coke to an undercover cop, which my best friend that I was drinking alcohol with, his father was a Suffolk County task force drug cop. His father, it wasn't him, but it was his partner, ended up busting my business partner, the guy who sold Coke. He sold the Coke to that guy. So, like, right before it happened, my father, you know, and he, my, I came from a good family, everything like that, no, no, nothing. But my father said to me one time, he's like, hey, I don't, because my boy Mike, he used to come over the house and he's, you know, he was looked like the drug dealer, bright link, fucking watch, $60,000 tennis necklace with the, you know, back when the necklaces were, when we were growing up, it went down to your belly button. The cross was like, had Jesus Christ on it. Like it was lifelike. You know, it was. Oh, I think I'm much older than you, but I know that. I, I know. Yeah, I, know yeah, the era, yeah. I know the era you're talking well, yeah, about. Yeah, you, I'm you familiar, went through yeah, it. Yeah, it's I, not like me trying to tell Jay. Jay was, you know, 12 years old or something like that. You know? I, I, I witnessed the era. Yeah. So, so the guy with the. Yeah, fucking, he'd come in. My dad would yeah. be like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, he's like, oh, construction. You know, he did do construction, but it's like, yeah, you got. <laughs> You got more jewelry on than what my house is worth. You know what I mean? Like, and we lived in a nice house. Right. <laughs> right. So like when you said you like did Coke, you had an era in Coke and then you started doing blues. Did you keep doing Coke? Obviously you were still yeah, smoking, I bud. I was always like, so that was the problem. Like I always bounced around from job to job. Obviously I always, ha- I, I always somehow landed real good jobs and I maybe last a year or two if that but I think I was, I'd always go back to the deli because my family owned delis, my uncle. I would be like going out and doing coke and I'd be working at the deli. I got to be in at four o'clock in the morning and it would be like two o'clock. We got a little bit of coke left. What do I do? You know, I, I'm not going to go to sleep. I might as well just finish it. Now, you know, it's, I'm up, I'm at work early, right. but really I haven't even gone to sleep. I'm, I'm in, you know. I'm, when does your family start to notice that you're a little fucked? I, I don't know. They probably had to, they've known, they probably knew. You know, whatever. Again, the heroin and all that stuff, that stuff didn't come till I was like 30 and I had issues, family issues. My mom got sick. She had Alzheimer's. My dad was taking care of her. So, you know, he had a, so much going on. But and you then, were fucking a horrible drug user, if not heroin addict, from the time you're fucking, you know, in high school, basically. What do you mean? Like horrible, like not good at it? 
like horrible. Yeah. I no, mean, I was great at doing. You drugs. weren't like, that good. I was it. real good you're at doing. Fu- it. Nothing. You, you blew two huge ecstasy deals. You're fucking up all night going to work. Yeah, at but the I was. I'm not a drug dealer. I'm a drug user. <laughs> My point is that I'm that sure. Point, I'm sure it was detectable. Uh, yeah, possibly. I don't know, but that was like the high school thing, you know. Like I, I always put a good front on, you know. But then I'm talking about the, these years in your twenties. Yeah, no, it was it was fun. It was fun back then. We go in the clubs, drinking, you know. Like I wasn't taking, I wasn't doing coke every fucking seven days a week. You know what I mean? Right. Like I was, a, I was, it was more of a hobby. Yeah, I couldn't put it down, you know. And like it went from like just doing it on the weekends to like uh, you know. Then I have leftovers, so I'll do it on like a Wednesday or Thursday, and then it became, you know. Then it gradually went to like me being by myself, getting coke from my best friend on a you know Thursday night, hiding in my room. And no, but nobody was confronting you at that point. No, no authority figures were like besides no. cops who busted you or like people. No, who I never got you. the cops. Well, I didn't really have issues with the cops. I didn't, you know, it was just I. I'm I am a big time unconvicted felon. You know what I mean? I had thank I, God I had a lifestyle problem. Like I was just so wrapped up in doing drugs the idea of selling drugs and making money like being kind of an outlaw yeah but 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 no one would ever know really you know people most people didn't know that i was like that until it got to where i didn't give a fuck anymore you know but the weed thing so i ended up getting so then this is where i really started selling weed was like 24 25 and i was getting ounces for like it it was stupid money like i had to break down an ounce into like 0.7.8 to make get a return on it right and then i started switching people over to buying yo buy an eighth because you're actually getting three and a half grams as i I tell them like i'm giving you 0.7s you know but it's cali bud nobody was able to get it and i was good at that i always showed up i always have it in my trunk if i went out with to the movies and someone called me i'd be like i'd be like listen go in my I'm, i'm gonna go to the bathroom i'm gonna put it underneath my seat and you're gonna put the money it was just i loved it it was awesome like you said that's where i got that's where i started really selling it was weed that i sold mainly and then i got into molly for a while and then the molly selling i was bartering with someone with blues again and adderall and that's where he started doing heroin and uh he was like oh i can't get the blues anymore and i'm like then i started to realize i need these things i don't feel good well you're hold on you're fast forwarding now hardcore so when you start you start sniffing blues you start eating them I think I probably ate, you know, like this. So I, I, it's not an addiction, but like a thousand is never enough at this point. Not one is too many, but a thousand is never enough. So like I didn't do any, you know, needles or anything like that. Cause I was just like, that's not, I'm not a drug addict. You know, I always thought if I can afford my drugs, then that I'm not a drug it. addict, right, you know? Right, right, right. So I always worked hard, you know? I don't even, I, maybe I ate it a couple times, but I straight to sniff, cause I was sniffing Coke at that point. So I know that the shit's going to hit you quicker, harder and whatever. So yeah, I, I was, I would sniff the fuck out of, out of everything. Even ecstasy, I would crush ecstasy up and sniff it. Then I went after I took like five, and I'm trying this, you know, because it would hit you faster. Yeah, if that that case, but you know, the 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 serotonin or whatever depletes. You, you can take fifty of them, and you, you're, there's a limit to it, you know. Yeah, the next day is is rough. Yeah, but so when do you think the blues? When do you notice that you're a fucking drug addict? Really, is the question. Well, that's when I started. So I had this with, again with the weed was getting delivered through the mail. We start with. Uh, same people we got a molly connect and we were getting like i think my buddy who he was the coke dealer he got like a couple keys of it that's when molly was becoming more popular because like when there was ecstasy you always heard like people would have little capsules of molly and you're like what the fuck is this shit you know and you take it molly started becoming more popular and ecstasy was making its way out and i was seeing this kid that neptunes was a popular club out here people would come from you know jersey shore it was in the hamptons and it was popping 12 o'clock in the afternoon baiting suits steroids right ecstasy special k 
Like you'd walk in and take a look at this place and be like, how is this even legal right now? Like right. people are just rolling their faces off in broad daylight. Were you there a lot? Yeah. Loved it. Place is great. And we knew the bouncers because we grew up there. So bouncers would just be, you couldn't even bring Visine with you because it was liquid, you know, they had liquid ecstasy, liquid acid, liquid K. So people didn't know about how strict it was. And the bouncers were old, uh, my good friend's older brothers and shit. They would just take everything and, you know. Do it we, we had a good upcoming, you know. Bordy Barn, my, my principal worked there. So that, that line's like a three-hour wait. We would go there and we were able to go and the principal would be like, oh, look who it is. They used to be in my office all the time. Come on. And we're right. walking past a line right. of people and just going right in. Right. We grew up out there. So it was, it was pretty sick. You know, it was pretty cool. So this kid was going to, he was, he was like really into Neptunes. He would go there like, he would go there a lot. Like I went there a lot, but I wasn't religious there and he knew everybody. So he would go and just sell the ounce or two of Molly that I would break him off with. So every week he would pick up. He would barter the fucking Roxy's and then- were you working a real job them. then too when you were yeah. selling ounces of Yeah, money? I was always, yeah, I was okay. always, because I wasn't getting rich off it, but we were, I think my boy was getting it for like a, a buck 85 an ounce. He was giving it to me for like three, and three or four, and the kid I was giving it to, when he was selling ounces, he was selling them for like $1,000. So I was selling to him for like five, five fifty. So I was making a couple hundred bucks, but those 200 bucks were gone before it even hit my pocket. You know what I mean? I had no no budget, you know, as a dream. You know, no, you're, you're fucking music yeah. going nuts at yeah, Neptunes so, and shit. I'm sure it's a uh, it's an expensive lifestyle. Yeah, and it's just, I would be the type of ex people to come hang out with me. And they'd be like, oh yeah, I'm not going out there. I don't have any money. And it was like, I didn't ask you if you have money. Like, and I'm not rich. I'm not balling buying out the bar, but if I had extra money, like I didn't have to any bills. So I'm like, come on, you'll get me back. You know, right. like, whatever. If I went to the bar, I was spending everything I had in my pocket. You know, that's how, that's how it was. So this kid was going to Neptunes all the time. He was going to Neptunes and, then that, and we were bartering with the blues and then he would, you know, a couple times, oh yeah, I can't, I don't have, I can't get the blues. I can't get the blues, you know? And you look at this kid, steroids, sharp looking kid, you know, whatever, good with the girls. And next thing I know, it was like the third time asking him and he's like, now I'm like, I need these fucking things. I can, my other buddy's not around. He was getting sober, I think. with, with the. When blues. did you first notice withdrawal at all? I noticed it. I was working uh, for a delivery company, a very big delivery company. I thought I had the flu. You know, I always thought I was sick in the beginning. Like, oh, I, I'm sick. You know, my legs, my legs hurt. My leg. But I was late for work. I rushed into work because I was like, I had no more chances of being late to work. And I just woke up, threw my clothes on, went to work. By the time I got in the truck, I'm like, yo, my foot, like, felt like my legs were just stretching out the whole time. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, that's when I realized it, you know? You know, then, then I'm like hinting at the kid, like, well, what's the other thing you got? You know, like knowing what he had, but hoping that he you didn't. knew and heroin wasn't even big back then. It wasn't even a thing really back then. I mean, the pills are like heroin, but it, I, I wasn't around out heroin. here. It wasn't right. Yeah. I wasn't around heroin like that. And, uh, and I was around a lot of shit, but, um, heroin and crack, you know, it just wasn't whatever at this point. And, um, he was like, bro, you know, he did the whole sell, you know, listen, bro, it's, I don't even, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not getting those things anymore. Uh, I can always get this though. And it's half the price and it's double the potency. You know what I mean? It's like taking two blues for 10 bucks. And he was strung out. He wasn't strung out. He was just, he, he was again, just using in the heroin. beginning. It was the beginning stages of him doing it, me doing it. And it was, you know, that's like the best feeling you can get. So like, it was kind of enjoyable at that point, you know? Listen, if heroin wasn't enjoyable, everybody wouldn't yeah. get addicted to it. Yeah, like you never meet a heroin addict that's like, hey, do heroin. My life has gotten great since I started doing it. Everybody knows it's not something you want to do, but 
when you do it. Well, you did say if you haven't done a drug, do ecstasy, ecstasy but yeah. you're not saying that about heroin. No, definitely not. It's not that much fun <laughs> compared to ecstasy. Right, you know, it's not right, even close. Right. You're so, a slave to that shit. So, like, you're bartering fucking Molly for blues, and the blue connect is like, I'm done with blues. I only have heroin. Yeah, and he wasn't the blue connect. He was just the middleman, you know. Yeah, so for this, yeah, yeah, for the yeah. sake of the story, Whatever, he could yeah, be the, the blue connect. Yeah, so he was a bigger middleman than you were. Yeah, well, in a different yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, so when uh, when do you when are you like fine? I'll do it immediately. You were like, let me just try it. Well, I had him bring it one time, and then like I was like, you know, I did like a little bit, and then I did a little bit, and I I don't think it was right away, you know. Did you have a thought like? Well, I've done all this coke. I've done all this fucking ecstasy. I've done all this Molly. I'm fucking total pothead. I, but I shouldn't fucking sniff heroin. Well, my thought is I have, you know, I was a captain at a very young age for people older than me. Like I had, I was very strong willed or I had a strong mind or I had a lot of will. You know, I, I thought, you know. You thought you could handle it. Yeah, like it's, I'm not going to get addicted to it. I'll fucking, I'm just going to do it now until I find, you know, not knowing really too that blues, you know was heroin. that snuck up on me you right. know like i'm not i didn't think i was addicted to anything i'm not addicted to anything but that was like so that's like now that's coming to the end of my weed selling i was selling weed for like five six years got it down pat we had the cali connect there was no cali bud there was no oils there was no nothing so why did you stop selling bud because i started fucking heroin you know heroin was you know it, you were selling it no i never sold that so why did you stop selling weed? Because your whole life became yeah. Heroin. Because I was just like every you know I was I was not trying I was out trying running around hanging out. Then I started getting into the real. I left like where I grew up, which is a nice town, and I went to a place that nobody wanted. Everybody from the place that I migrated to would wish that they can come and live where I lived. Me, I went and hung out in the bad place, you know, and that just took up a lot of my time because that then that's when I started like just doing every, running around with people, you know. This is where I was, the story where I think I read it, where the, the people that I hung out with, you know, they were responsible for manufacturing like 230 pounds of fentanyl, heroin analogs, and, you know. They manufactured it. It was like analogs of, right. and they were mixing it up. Right, no, we, I had this author on the show once who told the story of how that whole business worked. Yeah. And like, that's why so many people died, because they didn't mix it properly. Yeah, so yeah, they had, they had, it was everything. And now, like I said, I, I, I said this when I first got in the rooms, like, you know, I wasn't a bad person. I, I, I hung out with bad people, but I wasn't a bad person. The guy said, yo, Paul, you ever think that you were a bad person? You hang out, you know, like Who they say, I, one of my sponsors, one of my couple sponsors I had, you know, that's that men's meeting I always tell you about, they keep it real. And he, he said just, what? He said, yeah, Paul, you ever think that you were a bad person too? But like, I'm comparing myself because I'm not going to sit here and tell people I sold 230 pounds, pounds of fentanyl. fentanyl. That wasn't me. You know, I don't think a lot of people were in the your proximity of people like that, you know? So like, but I, I don't was, think, I mean, like, that's I was friends with the people that were supplying them with guns, you know? And that's where I hung out a lot. And he had an operation where he was doctor shopping at a, after you couldn't doctor shop where he had like 15 people that would go get blue scripts come back the deal was he'd hook you up with the doctor you'd have to sell him half of the script back it was a fucking offer you couldn't refuse you'd get you'd get to keep half the blues and he'd buy them off you for 25 dollars a pop wow and he was selling them for 30 so he just wanted to make five dollars off it but also these guys would take their half do their half and then come back to him and buy the other half you know what i mean so that was the whole it was a whole operation you know and it I, kept everybody addicted too because they had to get all these blues well, yeah, but we were all doing blues and shit like that. And th this is where I became, like, I was doing my thing with weed and all that, but that all died down. I started doing the heavy shit. 
but I was involved with this circle of people, you know, where we're just, it's, it's just craziness. So know? tell, tell us more about that. Give us the details. Like what were you doing in that whole thing? So the kid that got me onto the blues, right? I mean the dope, which it was my fault. I don't, it's just a typical story. I started hanging out with him more now because now I'm like, okay, I'll get dope. Then something happened. There was a point where something happened. Uh, I, I told him that it was cut with brown sugar cause it was, but this Molly was straight fire. And, uh, they called me one night at like three o'clock. He told me, "Yo, this, you gave me all brown sugar." Like this, this whole this. You never should have mentioned the brown. Sugar. Whatever, you know. That's uh, I'm honest to a fault, right? Because it was still fire, you know. And uh, he says, "Yo, this this whole ounce is just brown sugar." Like two thirty in the morning when he called me, so I'm like, "Whatever, I'll come through." Now I get there, and there's a kid that I knew that he went to another school that we were like kind of enemies with, but I got along with everybody, and he was like the same version of me. So I saw him, I knew him, saw the kid I didn't know. And this kid, I'm, I'm not, there was very few times, you know, we all have fears and stuff, but like situations where you like realize you, I put myself in a lot of really bad situations, but there's a couple situations where I realized like, this is real. Wow. Bad. Like I'm scared. Like this like, is what, why, why did I fucking, why? how did I get here and how do I get out of this? Because what, was, what about it was so scary or so different? He was just, he was, he was from the town that I, you know, I was from the, the good town where like, you know, he was from a hardcore town and he was, he was playing the part. You know, he's a bad dude, but I got to know him and he was like, you know, any bad person, there's still people. So like when you know these bad people, if they love you, which that's what all these people, you know, I always kind of joke around and bust people's chops. I guess they appreciated that. Right. This kid was playing the part though. Like he, he had cancer, he had testicular cancer and he was going to surgery the next day. And the percentages of him coming off of the surgery was like 80% not coming out because he had like thousands of tumors in his body and stuff and he, he beat it. But he was just like, yeah. So now I walk into this and I thought it was just my boy. Now I meet this other guy and he's talking about, he's flipping out knives and shit. And now I'm like in the house and I'm like stuck and they got it separated. And I'm thinking like, oh, I, I was going to go correct it no matter what. Cause we had a lot of Molly. It doesn't cost me much. But now I'm thinking, fuck, like these, this guy's like, he's talking about, uh, I'm not even going to make it out tomorrow. I'm going to die. Like I want to fight somebody playing, opening and shutting a, a switchblade. And I'm just like, yo, why did I wind up over here? Yeah, like, what am I doing? Like, I first of all, I, why would I even come here and reimburse him with the fucking ounce that I know they're just bullshitting me about? That's how I like, was so good with the weed business because I was always on time. I always fucking, I would front to people, whatever, you know? And I, I messed up at this time. But then me and that kid ended up becoming really, really good friends, you know? And that's where I met the brother with, his brother was the gun, he had guns, sold coke. They were close with the fentanyl and heroin guys, you know, and- and all of a sudden, you're part of this nefarious crew. Yeah, the the fentanyl and heroin guys; those guys were like they were. They I knew them through association through the other guys, and I was around them and stuff. But they were like a next level type shit. You know, they were they were on some different shit. Every day, I hung out at the other guy's house with the with the guns, and he was selling the, the blue operation stuff. Long story short, a lot of you know. Then I, the overdoses started coming. My mom passed away from Alzheimer's. You know, just well, a bunch you of, started overdosing. Yeah, my 30th birthday. I think I just started doing it in my 30s, right? So right before my 30th birthday, which is in April. And then my 10 month, when I had 10 months, I overdosed in April again. Like I, I always overdose around my what birthday. What was the first reason. overdose? I think it was actually the first time. It's like the second or third time I did it, you know, shooting it. And the kid was like, oh, no, I don't want to. Because I, I couldn't even do it. I thought you just said you never shot it. No, no. You asked if I shot coke. You never shot coke. But no, you, when never. did you start shooting dope? Uh, eventually. You know, I sniffed it for the longest time, but then, you know, when I started hanging out with those, the kid that I was telling you about, they started doing it for me, you know, cause yeah, I didn't yeah, know how to do it. Yeah, and yeah. then I learned, I 
trial and error I learned. But it was in between that, this kid that I grew up with, we went to go grab something and he was like, he was hardcore. And I'm like, yo, hook me up, man. And he's like, nah, you know how typical, like, nah, I don't want to do that to you. But yeah. really, they'll do it if you right. just persuade him right. a little bit. Yeah. So he ended up doing it. I woke up. I got my hearing back before I got my vision. And I thought I was dreaming. I heard like a school bus. I heard we did it on a so block So you went somewhere. out. And then you start hearing things, but you can't see anything. Yeah, and I'm driving in my car. He's in the passenger seat. You're driving and you OD'd. Well, yeah, I wasn't driving at the time. We pulled over on like a side block and we did it. Next thing I know, I'm on the floor. Someone's on top of me. I felt like I was like swimming or something. You know, so I felt like right. um, resistance. And now I wake up and it's a cop on top of me. Is he doing trying CPR? To hold, no, he's trying to hold me down, I think, or something. He probably Narcan me or something. And then I probably started like a fish out of, I don't know, I wasn't, I wasn't there, uh, you know, to see it. But, but I didn't understand. I'm like, why am I on the floor? How did I get on the floor? I was in my car. This is the whole case, you know, the biggest thing with, with heroin addiction, you know, when you do it, like I said, someone shot it up, shot it for me, showed me how to do it. And then when people die, they overdose, you know, you're doing it with people in the beginning. And then when you overdose, you're by yourself. It's like sure. the progression of it, right? Yeah. Luckily, I was always pretty much doing it with people. You know what I mean? So like, and the people I was doing it were like seasoned, seasoned, right. hard, hardcore criminals. So they knew, they knew all the law. It's funny when, when you talk about that, like that, I can feel what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, like when you'd go, when I would go out, it's just so weird to not do it for so long and hear stories. It's like, and it takes you back a bit. Does it yeah. fuck you up when you go over it? No, the, 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 the biggest one that sticks in my mind is the last one. I want to hear more about this one first. So, so you know, so now the, uh, the cops rolling around. And again, like, so I'm just so the, the listeners know, like, you know, I was always, uh, I was probably like 130 pounds. You know, I'm not, a, you know, the cop, I don't know how I had, I just had strength. I, I pushed the cop off me. We were tussling around for a little bit. Like, and he was, it wasn't a fight. He was just trying to hold me down, I guess. I was, cause I didn't know where I was, whatever. You were coming too. Yeah, I was coming too. And it was the first time, you know, um, it's a terrible thing to say. It was my first time overdosing, so I wasn't, you know. I wasn't I, used to I it. I wasn't used to it right. at this point. Right. You know, it's fucking, it's not funny, but it is. You know, I try to make, that's why I mess with Dave. We always try and make, it is can make funny, funny yeah. stuff about real dark shit. It's like know? if you live you through it and, and, and we've shared an experience that most people haven't shared, it can be funny. Yeah. Even though it's bad, but it can be yeah. funny. But the, so the kid I was with, he, you know, he was, you know, he knows the laws and everything like that. We have the good Samaritan law at this time. I don't know if it's still in effect that I don't think it you is. can have like, you can have 10. No, it is. It is. Have, it is in effect. You can have 10 bricks on you. And if you call in an overdose, they just take the shit and there's no charges. And he had felonies and he was, a, he was felonies in other states and stuff. Uh, big, been to rehab a bunch of times. He called the cops. And what he also did, he didn't know how to shut my car off because it was a, it was 2007 Cadillac, and it had the push to start thing. So he took, me, he dragged me out of the car because the he couldn't shut it off. So he didn't want me because he got a DWI or a DUI because right. he, he nodded out in his car, and the car was running still. So even it was, even though it was in park. So he, he not only called the police, but he got me out of the seat, put me on the ground. That's how I got on the ground, you know, because he didn't want me to catch a charge. Because that, I don't think that's something they look the other way with, you know, if you're overdosing while in the right, car. Right, right, right. And then, you know, that, that was that, and uh, that was terrible. I'm never going to do it again. My life is over. And then I go to the house and let me out. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, that, how did I not get in trouble, you know? And then there was a couple more. Um, I had an overdose where I met with my buddy and a good friend of mine who he's no longer with us. He died. He died. OD? Nah, I think, uh, I think it was, uh, he got hit by a car. 
in another state. Uh, he was going to his grandfather's funeral. Wow. And it was his birthday in a couple of days. And I, th I think he threw himself in front of a car. Wow. Yeah. Because he was just, he was a head, he was out of control. He was, I hung around with these kids that were just, they weren't, I wasn't like them, but I can always hang out with all different types. Like high school, I hung out with all different types of people. At this point in my life, I like to hang out with the lifestyle of selling drugs, being being criminals, whatever. Right. He had, he he was like, yo, I met up and I was going to, right before I was going to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I wanted to go get high. And uh, I went to do it and he's like, yo, I got fentanyl. And I'm like, I didn't even know what that shit was this time. And he's like, I got a whole bunch of it. Someone gave it to me. And he didn't want it. He was such a good hearted kid. He didn't want it because it was like he knew the potential of it. You took it? I took it. And it was like the bottom of a sandwich bag. Like it was a lot. It was probably, I would say it was about maybe, maybe a quarter. It's a ton. It's a ton of fentanyl. Yeah. yeah. Fucking, that shit takes me out every time. Two grains of salt, you know, like the smallest amount. So I take it. And of course, me being me, when he brought it, I wanted to take some. So he gave what we, you know, it was Slurpee straws. You take the end of the Slurpee straw to, to measure out how much you're going to give, you know, the little, the little spoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that is a tremendous amount. You know what I mean? That was for the dope, but he did like two of those. I did them and then I drove. You sniffed the it? You, you yeah, I sniffed it. Yeah. Cause I was still sniffing. I, I, you know, I drove, he wanted to go pick up some weed. So I drove him down the block and I remember driving and he's like, yo bro, chill. You're driving crazy right now. Like. I got shit on me, and I'm like, bro, I'm driving. F I'm not driving fast. He's like, no, you're not driving fast. You're driving like three miles an hour, bro. Like, I'm like, shut the fuck. I couldn't. Right. Whatever. So we get to where it was. It wasn't far away. It's right down the block. He goes in the house, and my windows are tinted. He comes in the car, and he says, I'm slumped over, and I'm I'm out. So I was overdosing. Again, he rips me out of the car. Same Different kid. kid. Oh. Rips me out of the car. He's trying to give me mouth to mouth, whatever. The first responders come, and... They're like, they tell him, they're like, yo, he's done. Like, he's we don't have Narcan with us. We got to wait for the ambulance. Um, he's done. Leave him alone. Like, he's gone. And he's like, he's, he told me after this. He's like, and and I, when I woke up in the hospital, because obviously I made it, my chest hurt, right? And I was like, damn, my fucking chest is killing me. Why did they he think you were dead? Me. Why did they think you were dead? And well, why? I wasn't breathing. I, and then I, how, I really did you, wasn't. how did you come back? You just well, did. so he was like, fuck. And he wound up and kicked like a field goal to my chest with his timberlands and he said you were like <gasps> i took a deep breath <laughs> that was the kick of life yeah he kicked some life back that's amazing me, you know so and even as bad as these guys were he had my car no license whatever he shows up to the hospital because i'm like now i'm in there i'm like where's my car i don't have my keys what the fuck's going on where's my quarter ounce of fentanyl well that i put that so before i did it i i hid it in inside of like some kind of bag they found that shit you know, they found it because they- Who they, found it? The cops. So they what took happened? That they, they charged you with it or they just took it? No, no. Good Samaritan law again, you know? Wow. And they didn't, you know, so- You lost- uh, I mean, Every that, time- That thing could have killed you that that quarter. It's oh, like, that would have. Oh, if I got out, I would have definitely been like, I'll just do a little less this time, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like always. For a while, when after you had that quarter taken away, were you just like, like it was like the phantom quarter that you never had? Like, like no, I didn't care about it. That shit. I was another scary. You know, it's all. I was always scared and always said, "I'm not going to do this again." Right, like this is right, crazy. But right. then, you know, I figured out. Well, I'll just do a little bit, or I'll do a half. You know, or I'll get. You know, whatever it is. You know. So when are you like? I need to seek help. So now I get into the uh, iron workers union in the city. This is where I actually ended up meeting up with the with the guys I was telling you about. The they were producing the manufacturing whatever now the weird thing about it manufacturing was manufacturing fentanyl yeah the the, anal, the heroin analog fentanyl thing and now the thing was if you did this if you tried to shoot it if you tried to put it in water it would come back looking like yoohoo 
Right. It was like, what the fuck is this? That's why people smoked it. And you would do it, and it wouldn't do anything to you. But if you sniffed that shit, you were done, you were rocked. So whatever. I Isn't that that's it, people traditionally are smoking that shit though, right? Smoking what? The fentanyl. Oh, you can do anything. It's the same thing. You can but smoke you're just heroin telling, too, no? Uh, yeah, but for some reason, you people traditionally smoke fentanyl and I shoot guess. heroin. You got to talk to Fetty J. Yeah, Jay that's, Fetty. What Jay, that's what Jay said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a Cali thing too. I think. I, I think that. I think it's. I. I mean, I didn't know that you couldn't. It sounds like you. You couldn't shoot this fentanyl that you had. Well, no, because they were. It was like it. It, it might have been fentanyl too, but it was also they were just getting like you know because there's so many different types of opiates out there, so they were just getting all different types and trying to get the perfect recipe. Right. And they were killing people. You know, people were dying. So, you know, so then now I'm, it's right before Thanksgiving and I'm in the union now. And right before this happened, uh, I was, I was in the apprenticeship school and the social workers came in and said, listen, if there's domestic violence going on in the house, alcohol, drug abuse, we, you know, that's the benefit of being in the union. We're right. here for we you. Can we help got you. benefits, yes. you know, use them, you know, you got to save yourself. And I was like, yeah, whatever, like, you know, fucking not listening okay that's cool that's nice because i never did the rehab thing but then i went i grabbed a 40 from these guys and when i went into the spot that they had it i, I was like yo let me get a 40 and he's like 40 grams you know and i'm like no like 40 dollars like i'm not getting 40 <laughs> grams of shit. you know yeah. like you know that's what the level they were yeah. at, you know? but they knew me so they messed me and i never really went and it was a weird communication thing i talked to the one they were cousins i talked to the one guy that i was more familiar with and then when i got there it was his cousin there. So he didn't know what the fuck I was doing there. And, I, you know, he was whatever, though. He knew who I was. I bounced. I, I dumped it out. I remember dumping it out, and he hooked. He just must have. He didn't weigh it out. He just gave me whatever because they had so much. Right. I dump it out because I don't like driving with it, and I'm in a bad area. My license probably suspended, whatever. And I remember dumping it out, looking at it on my armrest. Not even, it was like powder, but, like, I just took a card and mushed it all together. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of shit right there. Like, a lot. Like, it was like a lot. I just... I was like, fuck it. This shit's garbage anyway. I'll just sniff it all. And I sniffed as much as I could. And then I just wiped the rest off because I had to go somewhere, whatever. And uh, I was about 15 minutes from my house. And I woke up in the woods, again, outside of my Cadillac, different Cadillac. I, pull, I, I was close to my house. I must have pulled up to the stop sign. And I stopped. And my foot came. I must have started not falling out. And my foot came off the brake. And I rolled into the woods across the street. Now, the good thing, well, I wake up and it's uh, my neighbor was a police officer. So I wake up to him and he's like, you know who I am? And I'm like, yeah, I know who you are. And he goes, all right. He's like, what did you do? And I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. I think I just did some pills. I, I never said I did heroin. It was right. always pills. Right. I can never say that, you know. Right. Because well, if you and do heroin, you're like, like a bad guy. And if you yeah. do pills, you're a dumb kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah. It's like, I just made a mistake, you know, instead of fucking. I'm a horrible drunk. I'm going again. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. So. He tells me, all right, this is the deal. I'm going to help you out here. He's like, anybody that comes, because he's the first responding officer, he's like, you know, I had to hit you with like three things of Narcan. And I'm like, yeah, because I probably tried to bullshit him. And he was like, I just woke you up with Narcan, and it almost didn't work. This is what we're going to do. Ambulance, cops, anybody comes here, you tell them that you work a night shift, and you don't know what happened. You, you were tired. You think you fell asleep at the wheel. Oh, whatever. Now, there's a whole... My car's in the thing, and I'm like, okay. And there's multiple cops. There's a fucking fire truck there directing traffic, you know whole friggin all for scene. you all from all because of me yeah because yeah, you're yeah. so special yeah terrible so that you know i'm in the union at this point so obviously i have the fake yarn and shit like that so they're going through my car there's nothing in there because i did everything and they find the fake yarn and you know this the sergeant is like pissed or whoever's the, the the one in charge he's like mad and he's like you better fucking you better thank him for you know whatever 
And I'm like, Meaning my dumb, the cop, the neighbor. Yeah, because he knew something was up. Right. But I didn't say nothing. I just said I was tired. And so I say to him, I'm like, all right, so what? You know, I'll just back my car out and go home, you know? And he's like, what are you, are you fucking stupid? He's like, the fire department's here. There's fucking, we're holding up traffic on this two lane road. Like, you can, no, you got to go in the ambulance. You're taking the ride. So I'm like, fuck, man. Like, because now maybe people might find out. I go there. I refuse getting seen in the ambulance. I'm missing for like four hours. I was supposed to be at my house because I didn't get seen. I was not, I was, that shit hit me hard like two hours later and I was just, I ended up going home. My brother was looking for me. Your family People, started My to family know was up. looking for right, me. They were right. worried about me. They knew something was going on because I was supposed to be home. I'm not answering my phone. It's happened before. And uh, they basically are like, you know, and I'm like, F- I got to go get help. You know, like just kind of like doing it to be like. Because they found you out. Yeah, so, I need so help. You, they found me out. I, they knew I probably had a problem, but like it wasn't like this is again. It's you weren't like overdose. you weren't like I'm at the end of the line. I need help. You were like fuck. They know, so I need to get help. So I'm a step ahead of them. Yeah, like and I, I want, I did want to get help, but at the same time, like I also wanted to be not deal with them. Like yeah. you know, me not doing anything again, and I'm gonna go do it the next day, and you know, so let me go get help. You know, let me go get help, and. um the union took care of it. I was in a separate detox facility in Florida. I spent, I had Thanksgiving dinner there. I fucking had Christmas. That's always, that's always very telling, right? When you celebrate the holidays and the detox. I mean, yeah, that was pretty, my first rehab. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm eating Thanksgiving yeah, dinner with yeah. a bunch of fucking addicts from all over the country. Yeah. But then I went to the other one, which was in Palm Beach, and that was the thing. And they're like, you know, I was all in high spirits now. And they're like, oh, good news. This place was going out of business. So they were trying to squeeze every dollar out of everything and they're like great news your insurance covers 45 days and i'm like that's that's great you know 45 and then it's like a holistic rehab where the snacks are celery sticks and carrots and like i eat junk food and crap i don't eat that so i'm like this is torture and i'm like after i like agreed to the 45 days after a week and a half the fucking honeymoon stage was over and i'm like i need to get the fuck out of here this place is you know causing a scene all this all that i got out you know, I, I spent Christmas there and I spent New Year's there and, you know, it was, it was good, but it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't stop me. You know, I, I went back and then I went to another rehab through the, through the union. That one got me pretty straight. That one got me pretty straight. Had your mom died at that point? My mom passed away. So when I went to the Florida rehab, my dog, my dog was having issues. He was like 10 years old. They only gave him a couple months to live and he was living for like a year. And uh, the day I left, my dad put my dog down. And the biggest thing that I was looking for was when I came home, I, my mom was not able to, she didn't like just talk and, and like repeat herself. She couldn't talk. Her murder skills were messed up. Like she was deteriorating. And this woman was like superwoman. So I was like hoping when I come home, cause she used to like, she would laugh when she saw me and she would always, out of everybody, she'd always ask where Paul, she can say, where's Paul? You know? And that I actually, it makes me like, it's a happy moment in the bad times because she wasn't able to really talk. And for her to say that, you know, I don't know why she was always looking for, I was her oldest son. I don't know. So I like, I'm going to come home and I'm going to, I'm going to be able to see because I can look in her eyes and I knew that she was in there still, but there was nothing. She couldn't articulate anything right. or whatever. So I'm like, I'm going to come home. I know she's going to realize she hasn't seen me in a while. I'm going to see her smile or something. Well, my dad put my dog to sleep and he just, had to put her on a heavier medication because he tried to keep her off him, but she was just like knocking stuff over, becoming like aggressive and hitting counters. So we kind of, he had to like, I guess, I don't know what she was on, but she slowed down. So I get home expecting to see my mom and seeing the light in her eyes, seeing me and smile. 
and her fucking you know, it was like she was nodding out. Her head was in her lap. She wasn't. And you I, didn't get the acknowledgement. I didn't get. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get this. And it was like it, when I went there, I kind of. She was really go downhill after that, you know. And then she passed away a little bit after that. And uh, I will never say that I did heroin because my mom was sick, you know. Like, but I was always doing drugs. Maybe I did graduate to that stuff because. That, I don't know how I got. It was a bunch of things. Shit. It was a bunch of things at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It was a confluence of situations and events, yeah, and the fact yeah. that you were a drug addict and that you had access to heroin and your mother was sick. It didn't help. You know what no, I mean? No, that shit doesn't. But that was help. never the cause. That was because because really they didn't family and stuff. They didn't notice or anything. Like I started looking really bad and stuff like that. So like people would ask oh is it you know did this happen because you know the I'm second like, no, that's time not how it happened the, well i mean I yeah of course because my mom got sick. well people want to connect it to this romantic like you 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 had to you know i mean i i get it my yeah. my mom died um right after i got off of heroin right after i got off of methadone because i found out my mom was dying and uh, i don't know if you know this i got off I methadone don't. because i found out my mother was dying I was on 150 milligrams in California and she called me. She was dying from leukemia and I didn't want her to die while I was in California on methadone. So I got off of it. It took me like a year and I came home and she died, I don't know, five months later. Yeah. And then, and then I wound up relapsing afterwards. But I, I, I mean, like I had a moment, but it was, it was very quick. You know what yeah, I mean? But I was, she saw that. It was, I was, I was that. amazed that like, that was one thing I could check off that I didn't totally fuck up you yeah. know and, and even just talking about it it's like it's very like it's it's like because i fucked everything up and the fact that i could do that was kind of the beginning of how to fucking change my life but i still didn't i i i i relapsed on heroin when we had the when we had our older daughter yeah. you know and then i it was bad really really bad but i had a moment right so like you went to rehab the first time you were not sold on recovery. When you went the second time, were you sold on recovery or were you just like the consequences yeah, was, are too much? Yeah, I was I was sold on it. But uh, again, you know, like I forgot actually when I was hanging out with the other, I was- You're I emotional was, right now. I see, I see your eyes are very watery. Well, no. Are you, are you emotional? Yeah. A little emotional? No, nah, no. Nah, I'm just <laughs> I'm starting to think about it. Listen, my mom passing, I that's- yeah, it's, it's rough. A, the, I was, because what I was thinking when you were talking was my father actually said this was- um, you know, your mother never knew. You right. know, she never had an idea. You know, and my that's dad. Good. You know, so that's that, yeah, that's a my good mom thing. knew. Yeah. When my mom was in the hospital at the end, she was on uh, she was on Dilaudid, and I was in the hospital room with her, and Take. she was laughing because that was the first time she knew how I felt when I was high on uh, heroin. It was uh, like it was a thing. Anyway, so when did you decide that you actually probably should get sober? Well, so, so, uh, another wake up call was like, so, you know, you're in, you're, in, I'm in the second rehab in Ohio and it was like awesome. Or what, what is his name? Chris Herring, Chris Herring from the Boston Celtics. He, yeah. He's been so, on the show. Really? Yeah. That's so when I came home from, uh, Florida, Heron, we, Heron. Her, yeah. Her, yeah. Heron. <laughs> yeah. He so, refused to come back on <laughs> yeah. one time. He refused to come back. No, nah, he's like that. that I wasn't he has a crazy story. Yeah. I wasn't a professional, you know what I mean? But like I, sports was a big part of my yeah, life, yeah, you know? Yeah. So like whatever. And, uh, we watched the, the documentary in Florida. The and when I came 30, home, yeah. he was talking at a school, a local school. And I was, yeah, I'm going to go. But I was in a sober house and I never went. But um, the thing was, is um, my father, he said, there was two things that when I was in that Ohio rehab was, uh, my father said to me, 
first of all, they give you like that probation period of like you need uh, you need like a week and a half before you can call friends and family, right? Well, oh, I just want to be able to call, call, call. And then when I'm able to call, I'm like, who the fuck am I going to call? Yeah. I don't have, my friends aren't, I don't have their cell phone numbers like that. I don't have a cell phone. And they're not, I can't talk to them. They're fucking ripping and running still, you know? And I just like, I'm calling my dad. And my dad said to me, he said, you know, this is the best, this is the best sleep I've gotten in a long time. So because I was knew. dealing with your mother. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he knew. He's like, I was dealing with your mother. Yeah, because I had overdose. He had the... Uh, I probably had like eight or seven overdoses and they knew about three or four of them. Right. So like, uh, like they had to pick me up or they, whatever. And he says, this is the, this is the best sleep I've ever gotten because you know, I'm, I'm taking care between me, taking care of your mother, which was a full-time job. Uh, and every time you walked out the door, I didn't know if you were going to come home. And I never, I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, you know, you never think like that, you know, you know, and then, and then the people, I always say this a little bit of recovery right here. Cause I don't want to, do all this and then two seconds of recovery because i'm huge into it the guy that said paul you might be a bad person he also said this you know um he said if somebody did anything to anybody you love your your fan your wife your kids your, your father you what would what would anybody say oh i'll fucking kill him you know i'll do whatever i gotta do like or you gotta kill me to stop me attacking you and you realize after addiction when you're clear-minded the person that hurt your loved ones the most was you right you know I always thought I was, why do you guys care? I'm just hurting myself. I'm not bothering anyone. I always did my dirt separately, and then I come home and go to sleep, whatever. But right. it's like, you know, everybody's sort. You know, the coolest thing I find now in the beginning of my recovery was people wouldn't ask me how I'm doing. They'd say, uh, that haven't seen me in a while, they'd say, oh, I'm so happy you're doing good. Right, because they knew. And I'm like, what the fuck? You didn't even ask me how I'm doing. Well, you know, I, I was like 120 pounds, you know, face sucked in. You know, but I just, also know, because I know you, like, I know how you are. You see somebody, you light up. You're happy to see everybody. When you're using heroin, when you're strung out, you can't be that happy to see anybody that doesn't have heroin for you. Well, you know what I mean? No, I, was still, I would be high on heroin, so I was, they used to call me, I was like a hurricane. You know, when I did heroin, up until the very end, like, I was, if I did heroin, I would be like a hurricane. I'd be all over the place, real hyper. If I did coke, I, I would get stuck. I couldn't talk. I couldn't. No, uh, you and I are the same yeah, way. It's that same yeah. weird body chemistry where yeah. uppers make you down and yeah. downers make you up. And I'd always have to like, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not like a, a big muscle head guy, but people would not, like people would just be able to tell within a second of looking at me. I'm walking around with my, my wife beater on or no shirt on. Like, I don't know why, but when I did dope, I was always, if it was nice out, I'm got no shirt on. Like, I don't, I don't know why. I, I was not like that. So when does it happen that like you you're in your second treatment when do you when are you like i want to be sober what's because your dad said that yeah it was that and then i was just getting tired of you know i'm i'm, I'm you know this is because i know you're like super, 35 you're you know? super big into recovery now but yeah. like this story is just one horrible thing after the next and you've totally changed so when did that change happen change happened you know i knew that what i was doing was wrong and not good and I, it's a little too old to be doing this shit I couldn't stop though. You know, I couldn't. It was a light, like as I said, it was a lifestyle problem. If I stopped, I would get a couple days, and you know, I would say I'm not going to do it. Then I get a phone call, and let's say I had no money, whatever. That's the reason I get a call of someone saying they came up on something, or you know, they got this opportunity. They need to ride. I'll throw you a few bags, you know, and I'm like, all right, well, if it's free, then it's for me, you know, and I'll stop tomorrow. I'm not paying up for it. It was just fucking. My favorite day to get sober was tomorrow. All right. And, you know, what's, I told you this riddle before, what's always coming but never arrives, tomorrow. I always get sober tomorrow. 
tomorrow never came. So when did you decide to start going to 12-step? I just, uh, the way I sobered up, so at the very end, I was doing Adderall, a lot of Adderall, because I was, I forgot, I was, the thing, after weed, I was selling a lot of Adderall, Xanax, I had some good connections with Scripps, so I was doing that for a long time. I stopped doing heroin, the way I stopped doing heroin was, I sat and I watched the whole Wire series, and it was a wake-up call, because like mid, I, I, that was my plan, but it was a, it was a weird wake-up call. At this time, I wasn't selling, I didn't have subs yet, and uh I just love the whole drug dealer. I, I just, I got to admit, I just love the whole drug dealer thing. So that is like, and then you see the guy, Bubby or whatever the guy's Bubs. name, Bubs, he's pushing Bubbles. the cart. And I'm like, man, like I wasn't like a ringlet, you know, I was like doing, Bubbles doing stuff. Bubbles Depot. I was more the drug dealer type, you know, like then the, but now I'm like pushing the shopping now cart you're, and you're I'm, Bubbles. I'm Bubs, you know, I'm you like were, this you is were fucked once, up. You were once Avon and now you're Bubbles. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, damn, Marlo, you know, and I'm like, damn, I'm Bubs, like hardcore, you know. I'm I was like, always more of a Bubs than yeah, anybody I can't, else. I, and I'm like, so, but, so it's fucked up because I was getting sober, but then my best thing. I was thinking, Johnny. I was Bubs' friend Johnny who got, who got <laughs> AIDS and died. Stealing the show, the, uh, the, the scrap metal and shit, the cop. So I saw that and and I was like, okay, you know what? I got to get at it. Like it was a good first thought. I don't want to do drugs. I don't want to end up like Bubs, right? Or whatever his name is. Bubbles. But my second thought was I need to go get subs. Like why can't I go get subs? I'm, I go and tell them I'm addicted. I am addicted. Easier They'll subs give me what? subs right. easy. Yeah. Now I'll have subs. I'll have Xanax and I'll have Adderall. And I was like, I'm going to go back to being the drug. I got to get back to being the drug dealer. Not, I don't want to be a good person, live a regular life. I want to stop doing drugs and sell them, which... Right, the way could, I am. That's never gonna happen. You're like, I can stop using. I could just sell them. Yeah, until I come up to someone like, listen, I don't got the money, but yeah. I'll give you three bags of dope, and I'm like, you okay. know, that'll last twice, and right. then I'll be like, yo, where's the dope at? Let's do the barter thing. Right, right, you know? right, right, right. It's just impossible. So, you know, that that's how I kind of that's how I ended up getting sober-ish. But you know, then I had to run with Adderall for a long time. You know, but uh, you know, for me, how was Adderall for you? Uh, I I, I still it. think I should be on Adderall. You think I should be on Adderall right now? Yeah, I mean, so now that you got, no, I mean, no, it's it's a fucking. You don't think I? You don't think it would make me much more accomplished? I mean, think, it's it's very easy to abuse, you know. Don't you think I'd write a great book if I was on Adderall? I don't know. It depends. It it, it, it focuses you, but it's focus you on one. You can't multitask. You right, know what I mean? Right, right, right. You once told stuck. me about that. I, I asked you about it once. You said something funny. <laughs> you were like, you were like, you you think you're gonna get focused, but then you're gonna be like fucking doing this one thing for five hours, and the, the day is gone. And yeah, no, you end up sitting there watching your foot. You know, you end up. I think, I think you watch porn for seven hours. You watch something. every and everybody does. <laughs> I, all you listeners out there, I don't give a fuck. And there's no activities going on except for just watching more porn and right, watching more right, porn right, and watching. Yeah. porn porn yeah. and then i'm looking at the clock and i'm like what the did fuck? you do meth at all no uh my one buddy uh we cooked it up one time his cousin who had to cook it up but like we, we were cooking it up in the back so of you the, can't compare the adderall with the meth no but i, I adderall I is made adderall. in a lab though it's I the had, most pure if you do six of them it's like doing deep it's like doing some meth you know? i had adderall and i like never took it and in my head i was always like i'm gonna take it i'm gonna write a book you know and i'm talking about when i was using when i was using i had i had adderall on my on my fucking bedside and i never took it i wound up yeah because nothing else matters when you got when you're doing when you're hooked on the dope you know yeah, nothing else matters yeah. everything that's why all the other drugs you know i did angel dust i did everything pretty much you know i never and, did angel dust you know i, did I never did adderall times. or angel dust. i just always wanted to try like if i didn't do it you know special when i was selling the ecstasy i was selling it to these young kids they had k that shit fucked me up because yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm doing coke, right? That time. And they're like, you got to do a little line. So like, I was like, okay, everybody always says you got to do a little bit. 
So I'm going to do, and I did what I, I did a very, 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 very little bit. And I didn't know that it doesn't hit you for like five minutes. So I'm like, I don't feel nothing. So I did like a bigger one, a bigger one. And that shit hit me like a ton of bricks. And it fucking, the whole, the whole life went into slow motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was in a K-hole for yeah. like fucking three hours. Yeah. First time doing it in yeah. a random party that I know nobody at. That's how, that's how, like, I rolled all the time. Like, it's just crazy situations. So tell the story of after you, uh, the, the last relapse story. So I got some recovery. Uh, when I got into the program, right, I, I, I met my fiance, who, who's now my fiance. I met her. I truly think that my mom, my mom had a choice. You know, my mom was very religious. I, we really weren't. We didn't go to church. I, I did communion confirmation. But I think uh, she prayed that we... You know, she was always taking care of everybody else. It was me, my father, my brother. And I just think that she always prayed to be able to take care of us. And I think that God was like, listen, your kids are going to be a little fucked up. You're not going to be able to help them out down there. You, you know, you're going to have to, you know, she, she's my guardian angel. It sounds crazy if you don't believe in, in religion. I don't, I'm not big in the religion, but I believe in God, like my higher power. Uh, I don't go to church. AA is my church and stuff like that, you know. But like, I know that my mom is up there watching over me because I should not. I, I met my fiance. She, out of it, all everybody that cared about me and loved me and wanted to help me and stop a random stranger that I fell in love with. And I told her when I, I, I was talking to her on the phone because I met her through Facebook. And I told her, I said to her, I said, remember me telling you to remember this. I just knew that I was going to marry this girl. Right. I never even met her yet. I just, we had long conversations. We talked and, you know, I'm married. I'm going to marry her now, you know. And, all right, you just know. relax. Let's well, just, I want you, when you marry, you come back on the show and we'll know that it happened. <laughs> now, now you're fucking engaged. But I, I want to know. Linda well, I have to have this segue Linda, because the poor girl. Me and girl, Linda have been engaged for years. Oh, you guys aren't married? No. Anyway, uh, that's probably how we're going to be too. Keep but, going. Uh, keep going. So, so I had to set that up because I put 10 months together. I was still kind of selling Adderall, you know, and like she was like, Wait, you can't sell drugs. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like it's an extra like. Where so you were going to meetings and selling drugs? No. So I, well, I got like sober on my own. Remember, I, I kind of I got sober on my own pretty much. So like I still had the scripts. I was just, you know, I was actually having a big come up where I was able to fucking do a, a fair swap Hold with up, Xanax but, but and Adderall. Time, how did you kick heroin the last time? What do you mean the last in, time? In, in rehab. You left rehab. You didn't pick up heroin again. No, no. I think I did again after that. But like I stopped doing it on my own. I didn't go to rehab. I just stopped. That was when the wire shit happened or whatever. And I started just, you know. But you didn't get that sick. No, because my process is I would get like five subs off the street because, again, I wasn't getting subs at this time yet. So I would buy them off the street. And I knew every, I knew this after doing the heroin. I knew that subs, people always said it, so I wasn't going to try it, that subs, you get hooked on those, it's worse than coming off dope. So I'm like, all right, I would take two subs. Cause one time, I think the first time I ever took subs, I got messed up off it. But after that, it never did anything to me. Still, though, I'm an addict, so... When I wanted to, when I was going to kick it, I think I took like two subs at one the first time. The second day, I take a, a full sub, and then I broke it down into a half, a half, and a and quarter. Yeah, and I just then I just stop. It's rare that That's that shit it. works. That's great. Well, what do you mean though? It Everybody fucking kicks the withdrawal. They, no, but they stay on the fucking quarter sub or point. Yeah, two but that was it. Whatever. Didn't make me feel good. Like I right. didn't get high off it, and I knew that everyone said if you don't get all, if you're not quick with it. You're going to be on stuck. it forever. Right, and then right. you're going to be even, it takes like six, some people I know, it takes like six months to get that shit. It's like in your bones. Yeah. yeah. You know? And they I'm say like, that about that. methadone too. It's just yeah. a long fucking process. I used to drink methadone. Like I, they, I, I drank methadone a couple times and it didn't do shit to me. It's weird. I'm sure they had watered it down or something. No, no, no. It was, I was out the, it was out the fucking medicine bottle. 
But I don't know. It was weird. Whatever. Anyway. So the recovery thing. What was the question? The question was. Oh, the relapse. Well, no. Yeah, yeah. Well. So at this point, I'm drinking because, you know, it's a regular. It's a civilian, a regular person. So they're like, oh, as long as you're not doing drugs, you know. And, you know, I'm drinking. And it's really not a problem. But it definitely would, would have became a problem. So I, was, I came into the rooms and I would be like, well, oh, when's your sober date? You know, and I'm like, well, I stopped doing heroin at this date. But I stopped drinking uh, a week ago. And they're like, whoa, 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 asshole. Like, pick a fucking day. And you, there's no drinking in it, you know? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know that, but, you know. So, whatever. I just picked the day, whatever. And I was just, I went to speaker meetings all the time. And, and the funny thing was, I decided that it was my fiance that said, maybe you should go to meetings, like AA. And I'm like, nah, that shit's going to take up too much time. You know, like, we just met. And it's going to take up too much time. Like, I'll just stop. But then I ended up going. Ended up liking it. Uh, liking the meetings, you know, I would go to speaker meetings. If I went in and they were like reading out of the big book, I would be like, oh, fuck that. I'm not reading out of this book. Like I want to, I want to listen to the people with their, with the fucked up stories. I like the fucked up stories, but even at that point, I liked hearing the solution more because I, everybody's got the fucked up stories, you know, like I'm not here trying to sound cool or anything like that. People got worse. People got better, whatever. I'd like to hear the solution because that shit was amazing to me how like people can fucking get better, you know? Because I just couldn't, I tried it a million different ways, a million different times, and I couldn't figure it out. And I'm like, I want to stay with this good life that I'm, that I'm having. So I did that, and then, you know, I had the sponsor, I went through the steps, and I didn't bring my fourth, I thought you just write the fourth step down and you take it to the fifth step. I mean, you just say what, what it was, because I didn't have that much shit. Like, I didn't really have that much shit, whatever, you know, like, I go to do the fifth step. And they're like, all right, where's your fourth step? And I'm like, it's in the, it's at my house, you know? And he's like, why didn't you bring it? And I'm like, I didn't know I had to. And then that was it. I didn't do steps for like six months. Put 10 months together. About to get engaged, getting a tattoo. It's my mom's fucking, my mom passed away. My mom passed away 10 days before my birthday. So like, there's just a whole bunch of good things happening. And like, things are just going great. And my sponsor at the time was like, yo, Paulie, you're going to fuck, you're going to fuck up, Paulie. Like, you know, like you're, you're, you're you're powerless, this and that. And I'm like, okay. Like, I know I'm not cured, but I'm okay. And then I was people, place, and things, right? I was in the place that I shouldn't have been at. Somebody approached me that I didn't even really know. They knew me because of someone I used to, it was a middleman thing. And uh, he asked me and I said, I, I was inside the gas station and I told him, he said, oh, you know, you know, Pat, whatever. And I said, yeah, yeah, I don't fuck with him no more though. You know what I mean? Like, I'm good, you know? And I made it. I did all right. And then I went to pump my gas in my car and I had the nice new Cadillac and stuff. And this guy being doing his job, he's like, yo, I'm about to, I'm about to take that, get that Cadillac uh, payments, you know? And he came up, gave me a pound. I get, you know, he said something to me. I get, we left it off, like holla at me. And he, it was a bag in his hand in the, in the handshake. And he gives you the bag. He says, holla at me. I got that fire, you know? Yeah. And, and had you told him you were sober? Yeah. Inside the gas station. I, I said, a, I don't fuck with Pat no what more. What a diabolical... Know? That's what they're supposed to do. Ne'er do well. Yeah. All right. So what happened? So then I put it in my pocket instead of just throwing it on the ground, you know, because I'll get rid of it later, you know, which I ended up doing. Up your nose. Up my nose. I didn't throw it in the garbage. How long did you keep it in your pocket, though? When I used to get shit, it was gone instantly. But this is like, I'm 10 months sober now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It was in my pocket uh, the whole, that was like later on during, it was like the evening. I didn't do it till the next morning. And honestly though like i i don't want to ever mention this but right when i got that in my pocket it's like the, the chaos began again i start now i'm like everybody i worked with was in sobriety i, I worked so for lying. a coin company right yeah, so yeah. now i'm like okay you know what 
I'm not, I don't want to do this, but if I did do this, I'm going to call in sick tomorrow because it's Friday. We get paid, whatever. I'll just get, you know, we don't, we, we get out of the office early. It's like a bullshit day. So I'm like, I'm going to just call in sick. I'm going to tell my girl that I'm going to go to the walk-in because I don't feel good so that I don't have to see these guys because they'll know right away. She's going to be at work, so I'll have the whole day to just yeah. do it and whatever and whatever. And I don't even remember what happened after that. I had it hidden somewhere. I remember going to grab it. And then I remember I'm waking up telling the fucking ambulance, like, what, what my girl's uh, screaming. She, she's upset, obviously. Um, so you sniff one bag and you overdose. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't done it in 10 months and everything at that now, everything is like probably fentanyl and everything. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I did the whole thing or not. I don't, it wasn't, you know, it was, I don't remember it. I don't remember any of it really. And, uh, and had I met you prior to that relapse, had you been on the beach prior to that? No, I never went to the beach. I just went to speaker meetings. Okay. But so the whole situation with that real quick is so now I have a buddy that works at the office. He called me because I wasn't in and he's a young kid. He, he's sober, but he's like 20 years old and he's just a good kid. Yeah. He calls me. I don't answer. Go straight to voicemail. He calls my fiance, which I don't even I think we hung out once. So he or he got her on Facebook and said, what's up with Paul? He, he didn't come in. He didn't call and he's not answering his phone. And she goes, I don't know. He said he didn't feel good. He was going to go to the doctor. Now we have the ring cameras in my living room and I'm in an apartment and we had one in the kitchen at the time. So the kitchen faced our bedroom. And she looked on the ring camera and she saw that the door was open. We always close the doors so the dog doesn't go in the room. She saw the door was open. She saw my dog by the, and you can't see the bed. It's on the wall. And she was calling me, whatever. She works five minutes away. She left work, came to the apartment, found, found me. Oh my God. So like if this fucking kid, you know, didn't call and then I didn't answer and then he, he could have. Are you just, still friends with that kid? Oh yeah. He's, he's another, he's my fucking, my, she's my angel. <laughs> and because, he's my other because, he's my because, male angel because he saved my life my friend todd died you know my, one, one of the, my best friends and he i think he bought a bag you know what i mean he, yeah. he sniffed a bag went upstairs and got in the shower and died you know what i mean they didn't even find the bag yeah you know what I mean? and my and chris yeah, he flushed it he did everything proper just in case something yeah, happens exactly. you don't want no evidence right and yep. chris uh who did the whole show with me he died in his room and his girl found him, but after he was dead. By himself. Everybody, I would have been by myself Exa too. Exactly, yep. exactly. Yep. But you lived. Yep. But because the kid calls your fucking girlfriend and she sees the camera and she rushes home and she yeah. saves your life. Yep. That's Even incredible. the fact like that, the fact that he decided to like, and thank God, like that's, that's why I like to talk to people and you know, it wasn't normal. So, and I have like usually good friendships with people. So like, the fact that this kid went out of his way to call, like he called, he didn't even have to call me. He could have just been like, ah, Paul's fucking not in work. He called me. He knew that my, I didn't He was connected to you. Yeah, was, he had to. Because he's like, where the crazy. fuck is Paul? He probably just knew something. Where's Paulie? Yeah. Yo, Paulie. But, uh, you know, it was terrible. It was really tough. I was, I, I ended up going into the hospital. I was on breathing. This is the first overdose where I wake up in the, I wake up and I'm kind of out of it. I get taken to the hospital and I'm still out of it. Um, I wake up I, and the, the, I don't know, it's like my phone, I, I think it was my phone, but I don't know how they got into my phone with the, with the lock on it, but there was a phone on me on speaker and my dad was on the phone and they, the doctors were over me. I got breathing tubes going in my nose and I'm like, what the fuck's going on? And they're like asking me, do I, what is it? My, um, do I sign over my rights, you know, to my father or whatever? The do like, not to, resuscitate. The do not resuscitate. And my dad yeah. was on the phone and he was like, 
no, 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 you, he's like, you do, you do, you want to get resuscitated. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And they were like, you know, I hear them saying, um, oh my you know, God. he's doing, he's not, he's up, but he's not, he's not out of the woods yet. He's not doing good. I right. might breathe, my blood oxygen was, uh, my Stop. oxygen levels are at like 30. So I was hooked up to breathing tubes. This is during the pandemic. You know, I, I, there's I, no fucking I don't even want to say anything, but right. like, you know, I haven't had any issues, you know, but I'm in a hospital on, on, a, on a breathing, on a breathing machine, no COVID, right. just we're on a breathing machine, no, but you know? during COVID, during yeah, COVID. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so I get no visitors. I know my girl, she don't play that shit. She's my shit's packed up. I, I'm looking at the, I didn't eat for four days. I'm not answering my phone. I'm like miserable. Like I just, how did it, you know, cunning and baffling, right? Like, like how did it, I don't even know how this shit happened really. And that's like, my, that sponsor was telling me, man, Paul, you, you powerless, man. You got to realize that and people placing things. I don't go to that town ever. I don't, I just don't play with it. I can go to that town now, but I don't know nothing good in there. I don't know anybody good in there. What happens if somebody fucking gives you a pound with a bag of heroin at this point? Uh, I, I'm being honest. I'm punching them in the face. Right. I'm punching them in the face. It's like you can't. I mean, you anybody, as we both know, anybody can fuck this up any day of the fucking week. But you would really, it would behoove you not to fuck this shit up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you really do enjoy your life. There's a, I love it. There's a lot of things that happen, like the phone calls. Also, like I don't think much of it, but like in the beginning, people were probably like, "Yeah, right, that happened." Like you know, because it doesn't sound. But that was like the life I was involved. I was in a life. Well, it was the echo of your. It was the echo of your life. Yeah. What do you think about this long ass conversation? How do you feel? I just like hanging out with you. I feel like maybe we can have an episode where I talk about good things instead of you know. I think we can. The recovery part, because I'm big into the recovery, man. That was all bullshit. Listen, the point is you went through it to get to this side of it. Yeah. My life is wonderful now. I get to sit with Dave, who's a very good friend of mine who runs this podcast, and I'm wearing his dopey sweatshirt. It's true. People are at the meeting today like, you got dope, dopey merch? And I'm like, nah, you can't. You got to know people for that. Well, there you go. You know? Well, Paul, thank you for coming through. This has been amazing. And uh, all right. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So that was my friend Paul. And before there was Better Call Stahl from the Jerry Stahl show, there was Better Call Paul. And uh, I love, I mean, Paul is now in my my inner circle. He's somebody I talk to very often. I was so happy he could tell some fucked up dopey shit on the show. I would love to hear your opinions about Paul. Send in an email. Could you relate? Could you not relate? To uh, dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Also, please, 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 Send in a fucked up dopey story, make it funny, make it dopey, and make it less than five minutes. Send it to dopeypodcast at gmail.com, and I'll get you some dopey socks. Now, this is a rock'em, sock'em, action-packed, Long Island dopey episode, and we are going to end it with the one and only Fentanyl J. Jay and I are sitting by the water. Last week, I promised... A Fentanyl J update, and it's a doozy of an update. It's a doozy. Are you prepared to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but <sighs> the truth? That's PTSD, Dave. I'm sorry. For that. <laughs> it is snowy as fuck out here, though, huh? It was, it was last Wednesday that you came to my house mm-hmm. and told me and many thousands of people, yep. maybe millions, possibly in the Dopey Nation, that it was the long kiss goodnight, your last, and I quote, hoorah. Yeah, it was my last hurrah. Tell us what happened <laughs> that night, Benjamin J. Okay. It was my last hurrah. I got 
hammered. I'm talking really, really, really drunk. Who did you go with and where did you go? I went with, there was a bunch of people there, a bunch of people from work, a Rocket, bunch of people. Vegan, yeah, all the whole surf gang. Surf Goddess? Yeah, surf, all no, not Surf Goddess. Surf Goddess wasn't there. She's sober. Good for her. Shout out to Surf Goddess. Absolutely. But um, Surf Goddess, you should send in a voicemail. Send in a voicemail, Surf Goddess. We'd love to hear it. Yes. Yeah, she's sober. Her fucking boyfriend's not. Vegan. Yeah, vegan's he's a He's dropping it. acid in yeah. his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a real fucking uh, vegan vegan kind of but he's dude. drinking that night yeah he was drinking but uh well, there's a big group of us out there a big group of us where were you at we were out in patch all over fucking up and down the strip you know did you go to rum and see the exotic no, no dancers rum. rum oh my friend works at rum too it would be super sweet if she exotic danced there but i'm gonna say this i think she's just, a just i know that no one here is listening from rum Food was not that good. Really? Not Would you, great. It's not. It's the, it, you, it depends happening. on what you get. We didn't get the right stuff. Yeah, you gotta. They only. They gotta select few things. You gotta get from rum. All you right. know. Back to the story. Okay, I was drinking heavily. I didn't think the dancing was that good either. I have to say. No. No. Nothing. So where, the, where was there exactly? When did you go? I don't know. Was it was like in the night? summer. Yeah. 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 It, was, yeah. it would be in the summer. Anyway, back to the. Story. They have a rooftop. We didn't get up there. As for Anna, okay, she's great. Okay, and she's pretty. Dancer. No server you wish she was a dancer because she's so pretty shout out to anna okay so anyway um so i'm fucking hammered very drunk went out in a big group went out to rudo Oaxaca. got i'm i'm a big i was i am i am still i am still a big tequila guy but you, you know? weren't before you started working at the at the taqueria i mean i wasn't much of a drinker i was like a drug doer you know but when i always drank i always drank tequila even before that even before okay because like i I don't like vodka i I never liked vodka like that you know and your restaurant is a taco and tequila place yeah it's a calling so and it's a it's a korean like an asian taco mexican fusion place so really i'm korean and a little span i'm a korean and you're spanish tequila tequila drinking drinking. yeah Yeah, if if they sold like oxycontin and fucking fentanyl it'd be perfect yeah no doubt and you'd attend (laughs) well i'm still planning on going there to get served by you yeah it'd be cool well i would i mean i've never been there but i heard it's good if it wasn't like asian mexican fusion taco spot and it was like a jewish deli that served heroin that would be my, my you, you'd yeah, be there you'd be the star well the point is this you 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 go out the other night oh yeah it's fucking right. tequila got fucking hammered you're out with the crew yep it's I supposed meet- to be the last two rod did you tell anybody you were with that it was the last two rod? no you never talk about that no stuff. never uh-huh so but in my brain i already knew it was my last two rod. so i got fucking faded faded i was saucy i was faded right saucy yeah super saucy i meet this chick out and about she's getting drunk i'm getting drunk and from that one time i got drunk in december and i crashed and i like blew the tires out of my car you told me you saw you across the street from my house walking your dog and you said promise me you're not gonna drive drunk you see let me just say something right you're a drug addict. I'm a drug addict. We, we do crazy things. Mm. You told me this story and the fact that that promise meant anything to you. Mm-hmm. It says something about your character. You think so? I know that if I would I break you, a promise to you, Davey. But Jay, so, it's like if I was ish. right, but you weren't so yeah, yeah, you're yeah, loaded yeah, yeah. and you yeah. still I mean, listen, that is a character asset. 
You look me in the face, though. You stared into the window of my soul, Dave. Well, why? You said. Why did I do that? Because I. Let's take a second here (laughs) and let's go back to December and tell that story. Oh, fuck. I did coke that night. I was fucked up that night, too. I was really drunk. And also, Dopey Nation, if you've never listened to the show, Jay has impending insane charges over his head. We call him Fentanyl Jay because he sold a shit ton of fentanyl, got busted in Ohio with 5,000 pills, mm. and, and we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So, so I, I'm walking my dog to the groomers. Yep. I think I called you or texted yeah. you. and then I think I'm, I called you, and, and then you I'm were in, like down the road. You're like, that's and, so and weird. And you see me walking yeah. down the street, and it was like total... You know, I was God in my dopey con sweatshirt. I swear, I was like, "Oh if shit!" If there are any God moments, yeah, that was one. it. Was a fucking moment. You come running out to tell me this yeah. horrible story. Yeah. So you thought it was gonna be worse, even worser. Because yes. that's not a word, but yeah. Yes. That's what you thought. Yes. So I'm fucking. <laughs> so 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 there was like this big party, three hundred fifty dollars, all you can drink at this like nice steakhouse in Patchogue. I fucking paid the three hundred fifty dollars. And I got my money's worth. And that was in the 31 days. Yeah, of 31 drinking. days of drinking December. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. It was nearing the end, but it was it was in it for sure. And that was the Coke night. Yeah, night you of were the very Coke. Very excited to have. And that I night. saw Dawn earlier that night. Shout out to Dawn, sober woman. Love her. Yes, sober lawyer. Do you know that beautiful? She's, she's the divorce AA lawyer. She's divorcing everyone in AA. What if you, you know anyone in AA getting divorced, Dawn is doing. The, oh, Dawn's the doing it. That's her gig. Wow. Shout out. That's to a Dawn. good niche for her, huh? Hundred percent. Hell yeah. Anyway, she's rich. All right. Um. So I fucking see Dawn. I'm like, oh, whatever. Blah blah. I see her. She's like, Jay, you haven't been coming around at all. I haven't seen you. Blah blah. I'm like, oh my god, Dawn. I'm already drunk. I'm like, I'm, I know. I'll be back soon. I go outside. I'm smoking a joint. I don't smoke weed. If I smoke weed at this point. I get like paranoid. I, I don't. I, get, I can't smoke weed. I can't. I can't smoke weed. But I'm so drunk. I'm smoking a fucking blunt with some kid I met in the back. And who do I see walking by? Dawn. And I'm like, all right, have a good night, Dawn. She definitely was like, oh, this fucking kid. So then I proceed to get shit faced for three hundred fifty dollars. Oh, you can drink top shelf tequila, like top shelf, like Clase Azul, fucking Michael Jordan shit. I don't even know what it's called. Like all top shelf shit. Michael Jordan sells tequila. Too. Yeah, it's like a I nice big clear bottle. It doesn't mind. matter. Yeah, whatever. Fucking getting shit faced. I leave this party. It was like a prohibition party, is the thing. So I was in like suspenders and a tie and one of those little hats that you know, you see like I don't even know what they're called. Not a fedora, but basically like one of those, you know? Right, right. Derby or something. Yeah, yeah, some shit like that. Some 30. Looking shit. like Thomas Shelby, you know, Asian Thomas Shelby. I don't even know who Thomas Shelby Peaky is. Peaky blinders, bro. I never watched. <sighs> It's good? Yeah, it's, it's a must watch, probably. It's like, you know. It's good? Yeah, it's right. something you should watch. Okay. So so, so I'm fucking leaving. and this I'm last, amazed that you watched that show. This is the last time I, jo- I watched it high. Definitely. I watched a lot of shows high. So did you, I'm sure. A lot. Yeah. So you're, so I'm you're, leaving. So you're wasted way too fucking. Last time I drove drunk, yeah. Drunk or high too to get drunk. behind the did wheel. Did coke that night. Yeah, yeah. I thought it helped me behind the wheel. It didn't. I just wanted to drive faster and faster and faster. And that's like a thing when I'm drunk. I'm like, if I even from the passenger seat, I'm like, go faster. Like, I'm fucking, you can't tell me shit, you know? So I fucking driving in the back streets of Patchogue, and I'm going like 60 miles per hour, like in the back streets, you know? The mean streets of Patchogue. Yeah, 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 the mean streets in the back streets. I think it's a straightaway because I'm so drunk. It's like kind of misty out. I think it's a straight, <laughs> I think it's a straightaway. There's a stop sign. Psh, nah, it's a straight. It's, I think the road goes straight, you know? 
was because it looked open to me. The road looked open. I remember looking at the road, seemed like it looked open. And I'm fucking, I, I kind of pressed the brakes a little. I'm literally going 60. I might have slowed to like a 50 or 40. And then as soon as I got to the stop sign, sort of gassed it again, right? It was actually a road where you have to make a left or a right because straight ahead, there's a big ass like curb into a parking lot. So I thought the parking lot was road because there's no parked cars in it. It was so it's late. Misty and you're it so was drunk. misty, yeah. Blame the weather, man. Blame the weather. Blame God. Um, so I fucking floor it. Boom, boom, like blow. I like literally. I knew some shit was fucked up. My car's still fucked up. Because you hit the curb. I hit the curb. Front tires explode. Literally, I have pictures. Literally explode. My back left tire is pissing out air like slowly. But both of my front tires exploded. Fucking, and I hear, and I'm like, oh fuck. I'm like, I gotta go. You know, like, fuck. This is in Patrick. I live in Sable. This is a solid seven miles to get home, you know, seven or eight miles. These tires were brand new, mind you. $1,000 for these tires a month before that. Brand new tires on my fucking Jeep. Fucking. Unfortunate. Unfortunate as fuck. So now I'm driving home, still shit faced, telling this girl I'm with, if the fucking cops come, I'm gonna do the dash. There's fucking. I have I've one tire. Not the same girl that the other story was about. No, 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 no. Different, different girl. girl. Different girl. Yeah, yeah. So I'm saying, oh, if these shits explode, I'm fucked, you know? So, so dude, you no. say to this young I'm woman, like, listen, if the cops, if the cops behind come behind me, I'm doing the dash. I'm doing the dash. Which means I'm you, booking it. Please chase. They can't catch me. Right. Yeah, but really. But they, you have they're a gonna, car with no tires. They're going to catch me, you know? They they're going to catch me. My wheel is cranked 90 degrees to the left right. to go straight because right. my tires are like oh, fucking boy. blown out, you Not know? Good. So I'm fucked. I, and, and. I finally make it home. I wake up the next day, literally fucking sitting on three rims. My car's on three rims in the driveway. Complete financial fuck up. But that was the last time I drove drunk. Shortly Hold on, after. I thought the cops did chase you. No. The they cops didn't, never turned no, up? No, no, no. They didn't turn you up. You know, when I tell people the story, I say the cops did show up. You got you evaded, you evaded the cops and made it home on three rims. The cops didn't show no, up. They weren't, no, they didn't chase me. But, okay. So but even if that, they did, I would have escaped. But probably not. <laughs> but when I saw you that next day, yeah. or whenever it was, you're like, week later, you thought it was me worse. You thought I got arrested. Yeah, I, you thought I well, beat someone up. You thought when you told me that you've been driving drunk, I said you can't do that because if you get busted, you'll go away for years just behind fried. that ridiculous move. When you have all this stuff over your head and you have money to take an Uber, so yep. take an Uber. Yep. So like fucking. But then you look me in my eyes and you're like, Jay. Promise me you won't drive drunk anymore. So that's a and good I was influence. Like, yeah, it's a great influence. I was like, fuck, like for real. But I was like, all right, Dave, but really, I drive, I drive drunk all the time. <laughs> so I was really thinking, like, fuck. How am I going to have my lifestyle what am I if gonna, I'm not driving drunk? What am I going to do now? You know? So what I resorted to was getting somebody else, your young lady friend, to drive my, anyone, anyone. But no Uber. Mm, no. Sounds smart now. Uh, of course it does. You know? So it's so it's the other night. Yeah, so the now the other hurrah, night. Last the hurrah. last kiss goodnight. Yep, I'm out. I meet this chick. Super cute. We've chilled before. Sure. She fucking, she's shittier than me. She's literally just as shittier, shittier than me. But I promise I'm not drunk driving. I'm a man of my word. And that's what you said to her? No. I the, made a promise. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. have to drive. I, yep, yep. Yep. Why didn't why don't you take the Uber? Jay? Yep. 
Why didn't you take the Uber? Because I am an idiot. So then what happened? <laughs> so we're driving, 7-Eleven in Bayport, the closed 7-Eleven. I'm slumped in the front seat. Eyes closed, fucking Done. eyes closed. Dunzo. I wake up because I see cop lights. Mm. I wake up to the cop lights. Mm. And I'm like, oh, fuck. It's happening. It's all happening. <laughs> it's happening. This chick pulls over. It's a three-lane road. One going east, a turning lane, and one going west. We're going west. She doesn't pull over to the right when the cops' lights go on. She pulls over the turning lane and the oncoming traffic lane and pulls over to the left. In the middle of the... Immediately fucked. Right, right. You know? It's all over. And and by the time I wake up, and I, I literally, I was going to say, what the fuck? We pulled over. But I didn't want to freak her out anymore. Under my breath, I was like, oh, well, you pulled over to the wrong side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> like, I look up. I'm like, oh, well, this and is. And she didn't even know. Had no idea. Yeah. No idea. Yes. Fucking. Too drunk. It was over before it started. Right. They were fucking on her ass. Pull the car around. Fucking. They got in the, they pull her out of the car because now we're parked with oncoming traffic. They get in the car with me in the front seat. A cop's driving the car, pulls it into the parking lot and parks it. I'm like, fuck, yo, it's over, you know? This is such a sweet girl, you know? And uh, they're doing the shit on a test on her and shit. I'm like, oh, it's fucking over. As soon as I see the handcuffs go on. Handcuffs go on. You or the girl? Her. Fucking. uh, Did they lock her up that night? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. So what did she blow? She didn't blow on the scene. She blew hours later, and she still blew a point one nine. What, what's legal? Point zero eight. Oh boy. Point one eight is aggravated. She blew over that. Right. And this is hours later because right. she didn't blow on. And the And you scene. didn't get arrested. I was close. Tell me what you did, and then tell me how you got. I'll out show of you it. the video after this fucking shit. You it is was, there audio on the video? Yes. Of you yelling at the cop? Yes. Here, play it now. No. Why not? It can't go on the show. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what's your name? No, this, I was like, what's your name and badge number? He'd be like, Officer Rodriguez. I'm like, fuck you, Officer Rodriguez. <laughs> How did he not yeah. arrest you? Dude, tasers were, were out on me. I was like, fucking do it. How did you it. get talked down from it? I, I don't know. In the I, video, what happened? I just fought, I, I was like very erratic because I was so drunk, you know? So one minute I'd be fucking freaking out, screaming like, fuck you. I'm screaming, there are people dying fentanyl. from fentanyl. I, I swear I it's on video. Them. I was like, there are people dying from fentanyl. And you're, you're arresting a little girl. Who live? We're going to my house. You can see it from here. You couldn't see it, but it was like a three enough. quarters of a mile. She could have killed like six families. Yeah, yeah. between there and there. whatever. It was yeah. late. Who's walking there? If they're walking their dog that late, it's their fault. It's their you problem. know? Yeah, absolutely. So, bro, I'm fucking. But now I'm screaming like really. I've got going off on the cops like bad. I I was cool as a cucumber until the handcuffs went on. Because then I was like, all right, it's too late now. Like, PTSD. You know, like, now what are we going to do? So I fucking run across the street. I'm like, what the fuck are you bitches doing? I was suck. I was going You off. are so lucky. I know. How did they not click the cuffs on you? So then I fucking, I walk to the coastal gas stations 24-7 right up right there. I walk right there. I'm fucking calling, like, my sister for a ride. No answer, no answer, no answer. I call my dad. I'm like, yo, dad, come he answers. Like, oh, can you come pick me up? And, but, but. The cops were still there. Like, I don't know what happened. I don't know how cops went from, to fo- I don't know if they followed me. I don't know if I caused a ruckus in the store, whatever. They followed me. They were there. Fucking, oh no, I'm pretty sure I, I got a coffee 
and I gave the guy a hundred dollar bill, but I was still freaking out. Right. And some dude, I go to that guy's freaking out, like angry, yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this dude walks in there. I know the owner of that gas station. His name's Binda. And I've been going there for 10 years. Just buy stems from him like every day, you know? Just to smoke crack. Yeah, yeah, smoke yes. crack. Yeah, yes. yeah. Like, um, like when I was home, you yes. know? Yes. On my in-betweeners, that was my spot. Because right. I couldn't go to the spot in Sable because like, that's my spot, you know? So you got to outsource, go with someone that doesn't really know you. Were you buying stems at the gas station in Stable too? No. No. Never. Because they couldn't know. Yeah, they, they knew, knew I was a drug dealer. They right. didn't know I was a fucking crack drug abuser, smoker, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. So I fucking, The cops follow you over there. Yeah, but no, this dude walks inside and he's looking at me like I'm stealing because it's late at night. No right, one was right, in the right. store. He's pumping yeah, gas. Yeah. So I walked in the store. Binda thought that? No, some new guy. Some guy with glasses, bro. Like, fuck you. I know not the owner. Bin, not not Binda. Binda. Binda would have been like, oh, he's good, sure. you know? He's, he looks, it looks like he's having a tough night. Yeah, it's a rough night. And they saw the lights. They saw the cops there, right. you know? But this guy was worried this that you were going to rob the yeah, store. Yeah, thought that I was probably the reason for the cops and fuck. Yeah, so Which he- Kind of you were. Yeah, whatever. Fuck him. Kind, kind of you were. Yeah, but fuck him all right that's fucking been this store and yo so i'm fucking buying fucking getting a coffee and he walks in with his arms crossed like looking at me as if i felt like he thought i was stealing right. you know i felt attacked so with immediate, his look with the look <laughs> yes. so immediately i like put a hundred dollars on the fucking just counter. to show him that you could buy the coffee. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't be stealing shit because you have a yeah, hundred yeah. bucks I, yeah a hundred bucks yeah. i don't even know how dropped on the counter and i'm freaking out you think i'm fucking steal wow. uh, yeah 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 i was i was off it i was off it think i'm fucking stealing you did you say some racial slurs not racial but fucking some not know, nice stuff. not nice what stuff. did you say like this is not nice like stuff. what do you think you said like fucking like probably stuff i don't mean like you know? what like you fuck i definitely called him a bitch a lot wow dude. like just the gas station attendant yeah he was because yeah, of how he looked like at you're you. a fucking bitch like wow. i will fucking beat the fuck i'll wow. get you fired like yeah i know i your know, boss. Binda, I know yeah binda's on my side yeah i'm serious <laughs> i swear i'm like who the fuck are you bro i've been coming here for 20 fucking years anything. nothing nothing arms i don't even know if he speaks english yeah. it, could, it could be turkish because a lot of them are turkish <laughs> you know i'm screaming before i know it all the cops are inside the right, gas station. Right, right. And now I'm I'm like, I just paid this motherfucker $100 to wait for my fucking ride and drink my coffee. I'm not fucking leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. What did they say to you? They're like, he called. You have to leave. I'm like, no, he didn't. Oh, the, oh, the. <laughs> I'm like, I know the owner. No, he didn't fucking call. He didn't call shit. <laughs> you're, saying, you're saying this little guy. Or whoever he is with the glasses, yeah. or called the police to get you out of the store. Yeah. After you, after your friend is arrested, yep. she's gone. Gone. You yelled at them. Go to the store. Yep. Yell at this gas station guy. Pay a hundred dollars for a cup of yep. coffee, and then the cops come after you to get you out of the store because they he called them. Yep. Okay. So yep. then what? I'm fucking losing it now, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, freaking yeah. out now. Fuck you, suck my. Do you head. remember any of this? I have videos. But of you, it. Rem how do you have videos of that? You went I back have, for Benda? I have videos throughout. But how do you have the Because every time the cops came up, I whipped out my phone before I started talking a lot of shit. Just in case, like, you know. Just in case there's police brutality. In case some shit happens, right, you know. And then right. I got some some backup, you so know. Because I feel that. like you can say whatever the fuck you want. You just can't touch them. You can't, do you, you know. Do you think that in the back of your head, like, the charges against you mm. in the in the world right now are yeah. are steep. Yeah, steep. And the repercussions are are maybe steeper. Yeah, super potentially. steep. Potentially, is that in your head at all when you're screaming at yeah, the cops? Yeah, it is because I think 
You didn't did, cross I the did line. just enough right. to not get arrested. Right. You know, because I know head. it's going to get me fucking arrested at this point. I, yo, when I've got a video when this girl, Amy's no, in the back of the cop car. They, I open up the cop car. I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> I'm like, let's go. Let's go. No, but Jay, you could have been arrested. I could have been. Like four times. Then, yeah, definitely. At least. I'm like, I think I meant to say in the video, I meant to say public intoxication. Right. But I was like, public fucking decency. <laughs> That's right. like when you show your dick in public right. or something. I was like, you're going to arrest me for fucking public decency. Fuck you. Do it. I was no, going they, off. They, they probably had like so 10 then, times. So I was freaking you. out like, yo, you're I not going to I wonder why they me. didn't arrest you. <laughs> I was drunk. They should have. Not only were you drunk, you were obnoxious, and you 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 made this poor clerk feel very unsafe. <laughs> and you're ob- you know, but you're, I knew. But the other clerk that came there is Binda's homeboy. It's a fucking miracle you didn't get arrested that night. I was freaking out, and then I'm at like, what huh? point were you freaking out? At the gas station, like freaking out on them, like fuck you guys. I'm not fucking leaving. Blah blah. Then I see my dad's truck pull in. I said, all right. Here's my dad. Yeah, all right, here's my ride. Got to (laughs) go. Get in the car, but I'm still like screaming at them when I'm leaving. My dad's like, Jay, what the fuck are you doing? Jay, what the fuck are you? I'm like, nah, 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 nah. Like, I don't want to hear right now, blah, 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 blah. Like, not like fighting, but he's like, you know, he's like, Jay, what are you doing? You're a fucking idiot. Like, which I am, but he's like, Jay, you're a fucking idiot. What are you doing? I'm like, duh, they fucking, and he told him the whole story. Oh, this girl, fucking Amy got arrested, blah, 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 blah. I'm fucking. Does your dad know Amy? No. Okay. Okay. So I wake up the next day and uh, my dad's like, dude, I would have fucking tased your ass four times. I would have fucking arrested your ass. Blah, 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 blah. I'm surprised those guys didn't. I'm really, I mean, that's like some intervention. And then, and then, then we had talked the day before that Jay was going to start calling me every day. You called me that day. I called you that day. I called you a couple days. But you didn't call me yesterday and you didn't call me today. And these were the two days that you were off from No, work. wait. Yesterday. What? I'm pretty sure I called. No, I think I checked on you because mm. I was worried because it was Monday and that was the day you were off. Doesn't oh, matter. but yeah. But see, now now I feel bad because this girl, Amy's got all this court shit. She's never been involved with anything like this. She's from fucking bumfuck, bumblefuck, fucking not Suffolk County. She's from far. You know, she doesn't live close. She's not light. Shit like that. So it's like now I got to fucking, so I got to get her my lawyer. Like from out here, because I'm very, I'm well versed in this shit. Seriously, you know. And then I'm fucking. You can teach a class on bro. I'm serious, I do. And if if I was in the right state of mind, I would have said, "Don't fucking blow. Don't do sobriety tests. Just deny fucking everything." Well, you were passed out. I was fucked. Fucked while she pulls over. And I would have told her like, "Yo, you don't have to call anyone. I know when you'll you'll be arraigned at Central. I'll be there for the. I could have said all that shit. You couldn't say anything. But I couldn't say shit. You couldn't even say public drunkenness. No, nothing. You couldn't say anything. Nothing. All I could say was "fuck you," right? Because I was mad and bitch and and those those kinds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now we're six days out, five days out. How do you feel? I feel good. I feel bad that that happened. You know what? Now I'm feeling attacked by a little, a couple of reasons I I haven't called is because of all this shit going on. You know, she she doesn't know where the court is. Like she's not from Suffolk County. Did you go to Riverhead? No, Central Islip. She went to Riverhead that night because sheriff's arrest. It was a sheriff. It wasn't even fucking fifth breed. They, you know, so then fucking, yeah. So she's from Nassau County. She doesn't even know where Central Islip Courthouse is. You know, the question is this. Whatever, I'm looking out. I'm being a, a whatever's going <laughs> to happen to her is going to happen to her. You know, you you had accumulated ten months, and then you were like, "Fuck it," and and you drank and you yep. did a little bit of coke, you smoked pot a couple times, yep. whatever. 
you accumulate it 25 days or so, thereabouts mm. in January, and mm. you're like, this is boring, whatever, yep. whatever. Yep, yep. Now, it's the middle of March. Yep. You know, St. Patrick's Day is coming. Yep. The potential sentencing is right around the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've talked about this ad nauseum, as they say. So the question is, what are you prepared to do, Jay? I'm prepared to buckle down. I'm prepared to start taking suggestions. Is this true? Yes. Really? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm prepared to start trying to take suggestions. All right, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. That's enough. Okay. That's a start. There's a there was a, a great groundswelling of approval, and there was mostly approval on the Fentanyl J Instagram post this week. Did you, you think? Oh yeah. Oh. So there's only one person who said you're gonna fuck go, him. You're gonna go away, and they're gonna really like you in prison. Oh. And I wrote cold blooded. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold blooded. But listen, world listen, we're gonna see what happens. I had a I had a an email. Okay, do you remember the kid who wrote the email about the ounce of heroin yes. guy? Yes. And we're not going to say his name. No names. Okay. I just wanted to give an update as today is my first day off of heroin Sheesh. in five years. The ounce ran out yesterday. Sheesh. I also heard from a bunch of people in California that would buy ounces. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's tar? Yeah. Oh, uh, it's different. It was like right? $750 yeah, ounce, but hard. I never had that kind of money at once. Anyway, uh, the ounce ran out yesterday and I have switched over to subs. I read about the Bernese method of switching onto subs to avoid the precips, Ooh. as Fentanyl J might say. Did you say that? The, the precips? precips? Yeah, you don't want to fuck around with the precips. <laughs> Shit is hell. Basically, you start with a small amount of subs, like 0.5 a day, as you are weaning off your drug of choice. I don't feel 100% right now, but I also don't feel as bad as I expected. Mm -hmm. Just to add to the fun, I also picked up COVID over the last week. Mm. My plan is to wean myself off the subs, which I've done before following my oxy addiction. At this point, any positive change seems worth it. Hell yeah. I signed up for Patreon. Hell yeah. Thanks, man. And plan on joining the Zoom meetings. Hell yeah. The Zoom meetings are pretty good. You should go. Gotta do what you gotta do. The first time I got clean from opiates was actually when I started listening to Dopey. It seems to be a consistent when I am trying to better myself. In celebration of your 400th episode, which was a few weeks ago. Shout out to the 400. Yes, thank you. I just wanted to throw out a couple of my favorite moments over the year. Years. The first one. I, this is an interesting one. The first, because I want to ask you a question. The first episode that Chris talked about going to prison will always be a favorite of mine. I will never get over the term, or never get the term "hooping the shooter" mm. out of my brain. You know what "hooping the shooter" is? Yeah. What is it? It's when you fucking keister a weapon, right? No, it's when you keister a syringe. A syringe. Oh, same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes shit. Yeah, 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 it makes sense. Um, my other was the story when you were living with Todd and he snuck out the window while your friend's parents were at the house. Yes, I think. Damn, it was, yeah. hooping the shooter, huh? Yeah, they were hooping the shooter when he was in. Damn, they were. Boofing the fucking yeah, yeah that yeah oh yeah, shit yeah, it's serious business and then it was the same friend that smoked a joint on an airplane bathroom which is insane yes oh, yeah. I hope you're doing well and thanks again for everything that you do please keep me anonymous if this does get read stay strong dopey nation and toodles for Chris best anonymous yeah we'll call him anonymous thank anon. you anonymous so uh he's doing good good for anon I hold on what do you say Burmese method of starting at 0.5 but yeah. then what you fucking increase it no you wean it seems from rough. 0.5 yeah, that's gonna be a tough go off bro. the ounce yeah Yo, that sounds it's gonna rough. be a tough tough go so anonymous if you're listening give us an update yeah, did you buy know. another ounce did the Burmese method go out the window what's going did on did the Burmese method work did you ever do kratom yes a lot I, no not just a, a little not enough to talk about it 
What like, do you think know. about the kratom to suboxone craze? I, I, I isn't think that crazy? It's, it's. I think it's. It could be fucking cool, but I don't know. Cool how? Cool how? Like it's not suboxone. It's not controlled substance. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, I'm hearing more and more and more and more. Basically, everyone that I know that's been addicted to kratom goes on suboxone oh, after the kratom. I see. You hear about this? No, I just thought you meant like as getting off of, sh right. of shit. Getting off of Suboxone going on Kratom. Because yeah. Kratom you buy in the fucking gas station. And Suboxone you don't buy in the gas yeah. station. But yeah, so it seems like people are detoxing Kratom with Suboxone. I, which, I think I have a buddy that, you know, Andre fucking was on the Kratom pretty fucking hard. Yeah. Like fucking. He might have done that too. You know, I'm going to say this and then we're done. Uh -huh. You're not going to believe this. What? Two weeks ago, uh -huh. I go to the fucking AA Unity Breakfast in uh east wind and and andre was there shout out to andre yeah it's my boy would you could you imagine going it was a thousand people from aa in no the break and i went wow and dawn was there good on you dave what do you think about that well garrett invited me so i went hell yeah would you ever go to something like that i think that i would consider it it was funny it's a trip to see all these people well, they're just fucking happy sober people it's like a it's like a very uncomfortable wedding kind of scene. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, but it's like, but you see how I, many people are at your table? Like ten. Was Andre one of them? No. Garrett was though. Yeah. I sat with Garrett and Paul and Tom. Oh, okay. But on the other side of the table was uh this lady, this lady with like 30 years. And the whole time Garrett is talking to C Tommy Cigars, right? They don't they don't stop talking. And the lady goes, Are you gonna stop talking at any time oh. soon? And they were shamed. Oh, shit. Tommy Cigars left. Shamed them, Shamed. Huh? Yeah, it was great. That's fucked up. All right. Jay, six days in, six I will celebrate in. you. Every, everyone celebrate Fentanyl Jay. And let's, we'll check back in next week and see what the fuck is going on. See what the fuck is up. All right. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. Fucking toodles. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. And I wanna take a ride up in the sky. Watch this aeroplane just pass me by And I wanna see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I wanna be good so bad Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad I wanna be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had and my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand And I wonder would they pay it any mind When I leave this busted city far behind I'll take the high road however far it winds because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find And I wanna be good so bad Wanna be good so bad, so bad I wanna 
be good so bad Bad desires all I ever had Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And these suckers make me mad And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had 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 And these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had